What is up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Bent, here to introduce this rip of rabbit hole recap. Dun, 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 dun. What a week. A lot going on. Very dense. Tight. Not tight, right? Two hours, 20 minutes or something like that. Dense. Definitely dense. Great conversation. Back and forth with Matt, as, as it always is, week in, week out. Very lucky to be able to do this with a good friend of mine, one of my best friends, Matt Odell, and you freaks. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you're contributing via Podcasting 2.0 app, thank you for the sets. Thank you for the value. I hope you're getting value out of this show. If you're listening on YouTube, which you you aren't if you're listening to this because we don't put ads on YouTube, but if you if you so happen to like double, double sh- check this episode, you watched on YouTube, and you're watching and listening here now, thank you. I love you freaks. We live in very interesting times. Sorry, I had a burp. I'm happy to have you, freaks. This rip is brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. They're right down the hall from me. We're on 6th in Congress in Austin, Texas. The Bitcoin capital of the world now. I'm in the Bitcoin Commons. Unchained Capital's office is right behind me. And there, they are building uh, products with Bitcoiners in mind. They have collaborative custody. Collaborative custody, collaborative, collaborative custody, collaborative, collaborative custody products. Collaborative custody. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, they're they're multi-sig vaults, the two or three vaults where you hold two keys. Unchain holds one. You always have complete control of the sats in your vault if you have those two keys. However, if you're in a pinch, you only have one key. Unchain is there to be the second in the two or three multi-sig quorum. All this is in an effort to eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. If you have all your UTXOs on a single SIG wallet and you lose that and you lose your backup, your shit out of luck, single point of failure. If you have all your UTXOs on an exchange, they're not even your UTXOs, they're the exchanges. Uh, and that exchange somehow rug pulls you or the government goes to is like, hey, you can't let these people take these UTXOs. You are shit out of luck. That's a single point of failure. Eliminate single point of failures. Single points of failure. Unchain helps you do that. That vault product is a perfect example of that. They have a wake love concierge service that's going to take you from zero to having a, a vault set up with a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats in it. You're going to get video conference calls. You're going to get you comfortable. They're going to get you hardware walls. They're going to help you get those set up. And then again, you're going to dump a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats in that vault. Tell them that TFTC sent you the fine gentleman from TFTC sent you. You're going to get $50 off. That white glove can't share service. They have a bunch of other products as well, an IRA product, a lending product, and they have a blog, which is incredible for knowledge. But check it all out at unchained.com. This rip was also brought to you by good friends at Brains. 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 This is the team behind Slushbowl, the oldest running mining pool in the existence of Bitcoin, the first ever. The cockroach of the mining pool industry, if you will. They're also the team behind Brains OS Plus firmware, which helps you stack more sats with your hash. If you have a mining model that is compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware and you're not running it, you are leaving sats on the table. It's as simple as that. Okay? Don't leave sats on the table. Make sure you're using Brains OS firmware. Available for all S19 models, I believe. I believe. I believe. What's mine are apparently coming soon. You got to stop saying, Ed, Ed, I know you're listening. 
Daniel, I, I certainly know you're listening too. Christian, if you're listening, stop. Stop teasing us. Just fucking launch the What's Minor stuff, please. Send it. Stop teasing. I just want to see a delivery. I can't wait for it because I'm going to download it on, on my What's Miners once it comes. I just know that. Once it comes, dude, on. I'm going to stack more sass with my hash because I'm going to have more hashes because Brains OS Plus makes that possible. They also have insights.brains.com. Remember Brains with two eyes, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Insights.brains.com is going to be a place where you go to learn all about the mining industry, all the stats that you need, all the mining pool stats, all the profitability stats, all the cost of mining Bitcoin stats, all the difficulty, hash rate, hash price. That's where it is. Insights.brains.com. They're also hosting a mining conference in Prague. I'm very upset I'm not going to be able to make, but God, I'll be there in spirit. I will be there in spirit. I will not be there in person, but I will be there in spirit. That is happening in June. June 15th, 16th, that week, uh, the Bitcoin Mining Conference. I'm pretty sure that's the website. I've just been running with that the last two weeks. If it's not, just like type in brains mining. Uh, and I hope I'm not sending it to a phishing site. That's, that's all I hope. Go check it all out. Go to brains.com. I'm sure they have a link there. Brains is an incredible actor in the Bitcoin space. They're creating incredible products. I fucking love them. This work was also brought to you by good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle is here to bring you a lending product with no KYC, no AMO, leverages Bitcoin's multi-sig properties as well. The way it works is if you're in a pinch, you need some liquidity and you got some Bitcoin, you don't want to sell it. You don't want to take on that tax burden. What you can do is put your Bitcoin and go to lend.hoddlehoddle.com. You, you go to the marketplace, you find a somebody who's willing to lend out stable coins at a certain interest rate that you're comfortable with. And you say, hey, I'm down to take this loan. All right, you're down to take this loan. What happens next? What do you do next? You put your Bitcoin in a two or three multi-sig escrow account where you hold one key, your counterparty in the trade holds one key, and Hoddle Hoddle holds the third key. All right, you don't have control of the Bitcoin because obviously it's collateral and you're taking on a loan and stable coins and you can't have control of the Bitcoin because then you take the stable coins and the sats and it doesn't make any sense. So you have one key, your counterparty has one key, Hoddle Hoddle has one key. What is the benefit of this? You have visibility into the multi-sig escrow account so that you know that your sats aren't being rehypothecated. And if you're paying back that stable coin loan, at the end of the day, at the end of that loan, you're going to get your sats back. You can see them. You say you're not rehypothecating these. You're not, you're not lending these out, are you? I'm definitely going to get my sats back. Yes, you have visibility. Lend.hodlehodl.com. If you want to get yield on stable coins, if you're a stable coin person, you can do that. As well, using lend.hodlehodl.com, you simply enter the other side of that marketplace. You lend your stable coins out to Bitcoiners who are looking for a bit of liquidity at that particular point in time. Okay. Lend.hodlehodl.com. I think Balticoni Badger is going to be back this year as well in, in Liga, Latvia. Incredible conference. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by good friends at Bitcoin 2022. Biggest conference in the fucking world ever. Ever. going to be in South Beach, Miami. It's going to be the biggest conference ever. Okay. What are those events like? Uh, what are those events where they, they had them in Chicago beginning in the 1900s? The uh, World's Fair. World's Fair. That's what they, Bigger than the World's Fair. Bitcoin 2022. The biggest conference ever. 
It's going to be in South Beach, Miami, April 6th to 9th. Nice first day, April 6th. If you're uh, if you're serious fucking builder in the space, you want to get connected with people in the industry, that is industry day. You show up. You network with people. You make deals. You shake hands. You kiss babies. You talk about inside. You don't, you don't, you don't share insider information. That's illegal. You just like, you get to talk to people building in the space. It's a beautiful thing. Days two and three, general conference days, uh, going to include CEOs like Michael Saylor, Jack Mallers, President Nayib Bukele from El Salvador is going to be there. He's got a big announcement too. I think he's going to announce exactly how he's remodeling his kitchen. This is, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a big design announcement. He's just going to go on stage like, look, I'm putting my, my, my double door fridge over here. I've got marble countertops. We're going to see how he thinks from a design perspective. Day four, we got the biggest music conference in Bitcoin history. Logic's going to be there. Dead Mouse going to be there. Run the Jewels is going to be there. Neil Young and Joni, Joni Smith are, are Joni Mitchell or Joni Smith? What the hell is it? I fucking forgot her name already. But apparently they're going to be up there doing duets as well. If you haven't bought your tickets yet, make sure you do so. I believe they they go up a week from today in price, February 17th, if I remember correctly. When you do buy your tickets, use the code TFTC. You're going to get 10% off, okay? April 6th to 9th in Miami, the biggest conference the world has ever seen. The World's Fair is going to feel like a little pussy when this conference is thrown. Bitcoin 2022, be there or be square. We're going to be doing a live rabbit hole recap there too. Enjoy this episode of Rabbit Hole Recap. Love you, freaks. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. I'm tired. I just want to go to bed, sir. Let's fucking go. What a week it's been. What a week. I know. We just had the uh, the Telegram chat. Powwow. What a week. What a list. Very long list. This is starting an hour earlier than I thought it was going to start. I thought it was going to start at 4 p.m. Central. Car, thank God. Uh, keep me on task here. Came in. I was starting 30 minutes. I was like, oh, I thought I was going to be able to go eat. But I'm happy it's starting now. So much to talk about. Yeah, I'm moving slowly, so I apologize, freaks. How was how was Nashville Bitcoin meetup last night? It was great. I hear you were there. I hear you were there. I I was I was present. Yes. And the um, topic was open source. Yeah, it was FOSS, free and open source software. Um, I had a great conversation with uh, Rockstar and Seed Signer, um, and then Bitkite. Uh, had a conversation with uh, S- S- Stephen Delorme, probably just butchered your name, Steve. Apologies. Uh, who's uh, the spiral grantee with Bitcoin Design Guide? Um, and that was a great conversation. I really, uh, I guess, fault on me. I just wasn't really that. Uh, I was aware of of their project, but I wasn't. 
educated on it. And it's Bitcoin a really, really good. I mean, like I just, you know, he put a lot of insight into it and it's really fucking cool. They have 2000 people in their Slack right now. Oh yeah. Um, so if you're a non, if you're a non-developer and you want to contribute to Bitcoin, like consider joining their Slack, submitting pull requests. Um, it's very much a project that is, is open to everybody. Uh, you know, particularly like there, when you're talking about like UX of wallets, uh, if you're a new Bitcoiner, you have a very useful um, perspective that we don't have, right? Like use, if you use a wallet and you feel a pain point where you're confused or you don't know what's going on, like go onto their, go onto their repo and submit a pull request or go into Slack and post some screenshots without your personal information on there and, and say what your pain points are. And it, it provides a lot of insight. Completely agree. I mean, this is something I've been passionate about for a while, which is UX design. Like when I left finance, that's what I, I quit my job at the fund and went and did a digital design boot camp focused on UX UI design. And I don't think people really appreciate how critical design is in making products in general, but even more specifically, Bitcoin focused products usable and intuitive. More importantly, uh, it's it's something that many take for granted. Obviously, there's a lot of developers in the space building very important critical infrastructure, but I've been saying this for years now. We need the designers. Good design uh, creates good products, which creates more usability and therefore adoption. So happy to see that you're on the design, design guide uh, train now too, because the, the project's incredible. And, and especially when you're talking about Bitcoin, because think about like when you're interacting with Bitcoin, you have protocol level, you have lightning, you have different address structures, you have legacy addresses, you have wrap segwit, you have native segwit, you have taproot. Coin, coin control. Yeah. There's so many variables to Liquidity. take into consideration. Yeah. And that's, that's, a, that's one thing. So if you freaks haven't see, uh, heard the episode I recorded a few months ago with Ben Tricia, who's worked on the Bitcoin design guide, highly recommend you go listen to that. But there's, like I said it then, and I'll say it again, like if you're a designer and you want to leave an indelible mark on the world and really innovate in a a space that is wide open right now like come design for bitcoin like you could literally create ux flows ui designs that again have a, have a indelible mark on history because the, the, the canvas is wide open right now there's there's so much to that needs to be done and you the designer out there sitting on the sidelines could get that shit done and, and and have your name in a in a repo forever for for bringing some innovation to the the design uh, the design space of Bitcoin. Consider it, freaks. Also, um, they they released V two of their design guide yesterday. Yes, it's on the list. So go check it out. Well, let's talk about this because I saw Neil Woodfine uh, tweeting about this yesterday. Lowercase B Look, for everything. I don't like that. I love the, that. I don't like I that. Think, I think, I think lowercase b for everything, which is what I've been using for a while. And then uh, unless you go all caps Bitcoin, either all big, caps Bitcoin or all, all lowercase. I've always been Bitcoin network, the network side of things, uppercase asset, lowercase. That's been like, that's the way I write in the newsletter. Do you capitalize internet? Yes, I do. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Well, fortunately, it's you can do whatever you want to do but I'm going to continue using lowercase Bitcoin. Uh, Steve made an interesting point yesterday about it. Um, I hit him with all the hard questions like, 
uh, sats versus bits, plural <laughs> Bitcoin, uppercase Bitcoin, lowercase Bitcoin. Um, you made an interesting point. So what is what do you what about Bitcoin wallet? I mean, many people in Bitcoin think that it was a mistake to call them. No, 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 not that, not that. Do you capitalize the B for Bitcoin wallet? Yes. But it's it's a wallet that holds Bitcoin. Yes, but it's interfacing with the network. I know be. it doesn't. It could be it could be interpreted <laughs> both ways. That yeah. was their that was their main reasoning for that one example was one of their main reasons for saying lowercase b across the board, because it's kind of ambiguous. That's a good point. Damn, am I gonna have to change? That's gonna be so. God, I gotta change up the newsletter now. My tendency. Like, what about like Bitcoin? Bitcoin signing device or Bitcoin, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe all lowercase does make sense. Apparently, people have been fighting this for a while, fighting for these, this for a while. These are the real issues. I'm glad that we have it that, that we're covering it. Well, it is. I mean, it may not seem like a big issue now, but if you think about it, people building this stuff out and setting these. <laughs> setting me is somebody Carlos uh, Lamardo saying that we got political real quick uh, <laughs> in the in the comments. The uh, yeah, I mean, it may not seem like a big deal or maybe seem like a nothing burger right now, but if we do this right, and, and if we do this, and it doesn't could be right or wrong. Like this is could be the tendency into perpetuity. Like that's it. Hardware wallets bring up a lot of. Like, what about Bitcoin address? Is it capital B or lowercase b? Yeah, good question. Like the naming, like naming structures, like, like people give Lightning Lab shit for getting the at Lightning Twitter account, like throwing out a lot of confusion there. Uh, wallet, maybe not the best nomenclature. Maybe signing software, signing device is better, uh, especially for key, hardware key wallets. Key store. Yeah, key store. I so, like wallet though. I think I you too. know people have wallets that they hold money in, so they're used to it. Yeah, makes sense. People even think miners aren't like right. a good. Yeah, people don't think like, miners are like yeah. a good word for uh, what miners are doing. Some people but think it, should, yeah should be hashers, it, organizers, hashers. I could see that. Yeah, I think miners is good too. I like miners. It's you know gold miners, Bitcoin miners. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, but we're, we're, we're throwing these old world understanding of, of loosely associated assets onto Bitcoin. Where, yeah, yeah, fun things to talk about. Go but check like, out. That's, that's another one. Bitcoin miners, capital B, lowercase B. <laughs> right. See, I lowercase the Bitcoin miners because they're mining for. But they're mining, they're, the they're securing the network. Yeah, that's a good point. Ties ties hundred percent on the lowercase. All right, ties always on the right side of history, so I, that doesn't surprise me. I may I may have just been convinced that just for simplicity's sake, lowercase across the board, unless it's all caps or the first. Yeah, word unless it's sense. all caps. I asked him. Uh, I asked him if they could put in the design guide for a carve out for all caps Bitcoin. He said to submit. He said to submit a pull request. So okay, we'll this see. Is, this is going to be an important uh, PR. Everybody, everybody, put your weight behind it. Uh, yeah, like we said, we got a long list that, that, uh, that topic was on the list. Maybe we'll touch on it again as the episode progresses, but first we'll start where we always do Clark Moody's dashboard. 
Car was asking me who Clark Moody is. Clark Moody's uh, an incredible OG working at Kraken, good friend of the show. And he's got this dashboard and it's giving us all these stats, including the price of Bitcoin, which is currently 43,910 cock bucks. One cock buck is going to get you 2,277 sats, reapproaching a trillion dollar market cap, currently sitting at 832.3 billion dollars or cock bucks, whatever you want to call them. Uh, there are 1.66 million Bitcoin in uh, corporate treasuries at the moment. We're at block height 722,675. We are currently 1,069 blocks. Nice. Away from the next difficulty adjustment, which is estimated to be on February 18th, 2022. So it is uh, next Friday. Currently estimated to be a, a downward adjustment of 3% because blocks are coming in at 10 minutes and 10 seconds on average. Since uh, we last met here, we did have a, a difficulty adjustment, uh, a slight difficulty adjustment of 0.2% upwards. There are currently 5,373 transactions in Clark's mempool and Whirlpool capacity. Unspec capacity is 4,385.3 Bitcoin or 192.6 million cuck bucks. Maybe we start there. Um, not necessarily with Samurai, but I don't know if you had this on the list, but you retweeted a gentleman in the privacy community had a really interesting article about like infighting and whether or not it's like a net benefit or... Oh, uh, Henry from TechLore. I yes. am on Dispatch too. Yeah, that, that was a great a episode. That was a great article he wrote. Um, yeah, he's great. I love that dude. You want to give a summary of that article and like your thoughts? I'm very because I was very uh, you retweeted it and I was very I didn't message you or anything, but I'm very interested to hear like your perspective on it. Um, I mean, I, I, I it's something that I can really relate to. Um, I mean, he seems like he's feeling a little bit burnt out. Like it's. Uh, like privacy is not an easy topic to talk about, especially uh, publicly. Um, and people have very strong opinions about it. So basically, uh, you know, the, I mean, everyone should go read it. We don't have it on the list. I guess we're trying to add it onto the list before the podcast goes out. Um, but uh, basically the, the idea is that, you know, he, they spend hours and hours and hours doing guides Um and then, and with the, all best intentions, right? And uh, as soon as they release them, they get like a ton of shit from from all different directions um, about it not being the right way, or not being this, or being you know um, biased, or so it's you know yeah, it's, it's, a t- it's a tough grind, and it gets to people sometimes. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess somebody, I mean, I, I like to consider myself a private, privacy advocate and somebody who strives to have the, the most amount of privacy as possible, but I certainly concede that I'm nowhere near as involved in the privacy community as you are or someone like uh, Pete is. And the example he used specifically in that article was like ProtonMail, when they, what did they do? They gave up an IP address to the FBI yep. or something. And they had written in 2014 in the blog that they would do that if asked. They simply gave an IP address. I don't think they were able to give the the content of the the emails that were being sent and received from that email Correct. address. 
Um, and and you see some of the privacy community threw the baby out with the bathwater. It's like never use Pro- Proton Mail again. Um, and it just really confuses users. Like, what the hell? Am I, is it private? Am I safe? Should I use this? Should I not? And his message, at least what I got from it, was like, hey, we need to do better at like being like, this is certainly better than Gmail. And right. There's nuances. Yeah. And then like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think Bitcoiners can relate to it in general. Yeah. Right? I mean, the coin join wars in, are like prime No, example. but regardless, regardless of Bitcoin privacy, it's a, it's, it's very common just in the Bitcoin education space, right? Where, you know, you try and you try and simplify things and you try and, you know, do your best in terms of educating people and helping people, you know, improve their own understanding of Bitcoin and use of Bitcoin. And then inevitably, you know, there's nuance involved and there's like the hardcores will come out and they'll, they'll gaslight you. And then it scares a bunch of newcomers. Um, I, I do think it's unavoidable. And I, I think at the end of the day, it's just going to always come down to personal responsibility, right? People are going to have to actually wade through all this information and make their own decisions and analyze things themselves, right? Yeah. No, but I, I, the burnout for like people on the front line like yourself, Pete from TechLore, it is real. I mean, I see. I mean, you, right? We talk about it a lot behind the scenes. Like you, you get burnout a lot, like being in the middle. I mean, like we're like in the Telegram group right now where people are talking about the samurai and wasabi thing. And obviously that got reignited this week because of something we're going to talk about, obviously, which is the, the Bitfinex hackers or launderers. We'll, we'll, we'll try to define what they are from our own perspectives. But uh, Wasabi seems to have been a weak link in that uh, money. I don't think scene. Wasabi was a weak link in that. But. Yeah, there was many. There was like that's it's being portrayed what, as that. But, yeah, that's not what got them. But yeah, I mean, they made. We'll talk about that this in depth, but regardless, the flame wars have been ignited again, and like samurai throwing shade at wasabi, wasabi throwing shade at samurai, and again, like in the Telegram group that we're both in, I, I didn't respond to this, but I saw it, and somebody working on one of these projects was like, "Fuck, man, I'm just like tired of of everybody like fighting back and forth. Why can't people just build stuff, put it on the market, and let let, let the software speak for itself?" Which is something I've been advocating for the years that we've been talking about these flame wars. Yeah. But like, once again, I would say that it's not, you know, it's not limited to privacy. Like it's, no, it's hardware and, wallets. And big, uh, right. Like people will, you know, yeah. Everything, hardware wallets, nodes, um, soft forks, uh, <laughs> bits versus cust- like custody. It's uh KYC, Right. It's it's every everything. But uh, in general, I think um, the perspective should be that it's a massive net benefit that there's just so much information available um, and so many tools and options that people can use. And but ultimately, like it is going to come down to personal responsibility. There's no easy answer and people are going to have to actually make their own decision um, on how to proceed with all these different things. Yes. Be aware, freaks. Be aware. We will try to make you aware to the best of our abilities. But at the end of the day, it does come down to you. We're just two dudes talking about this stuff from our own perspectives. You should have your own perspective. Don't, don't just run with ours. 
Um, think for yourself. Don't trust us. Go verify for yourself. But speaking 100%. of that, speaking of that, like BitGo had to make some of these trade-offs. Bitfinex had to make some of these trade-offs, and they. Uh, you had a great tweet thread about it. I believe it was Tuesday or Monday uh, about. And so Bitfinex got hacked in 2016. 119, 192,000. Excuse me, 192,000. 762 Bitcoin, I believe. Almost no, wasn't it 119? I think you were right. Yeah, it was, it was some odd. It was like almost 120,000 Bitcoin. Right, and it was valued at 71 million at the time. Yes, now partial the partial recovery, um, something like 40 billion or something like that. Yeah, and so it, the reason I made that thread is because I feel like a lot of people, it was before their time, and also Bitfinex has never publicly discussed it. Um, the, like... What happened with the 2016 hack uh, was a very unique was a very unique situation because Bitfinex, you know, all most of these exchanges and custodial services, what they do is they have a hot cold setup where the majority of their funds are held in cold storage uh, offline, and then they have a hot wallet for actually deposits and withdrawals that is very small in comparison. So when there's a hack, um, you just lose the hot wallet funds. Uh, we saw that with Binance when Binance got hacked uh, six months ago or eight months ago. Like they lost, you know, their hot wallet. Their hot wallet got drained, but their cold storage was fine. Now with Bitfinex in 2016, they were fighting the U.S. government, and they were fighting them over regulatory compliance and financial compliance, partially because they weren't doing KYC at the time. Um, so they came up with this plan with BitGo, where every user was going to have every user had their own multi-sig wallet and BitGo, both BitGo and Bitfinex held keys. And in some cases, the user held the key as well. Um, and to make it a seamless process, uh, by design, BitGo was just signing whatever, whatever got sent to them. They were just signing it and approving it. Any withdrawal request, they were just automatically signing it. So the whole setup was a very insecure setup to begin with, but it was, it the point of it wasn't security. The point of it was regulatory arbitrage, was to try and you know say, we don't hold customer Bitcoin, so we don't have to comply with this rule. Um, so when people are saying like these alleged hackers or uh, th these alleged participants in the Bitfinex hack that just got arrested, this husband wife, they don't seem sophisticated enough to do this type of attack. Um, it is really important to realize that Bitfinex was extremely vulnerable in this situation. And it is possible that, uh, and we're going to find out more details in the future, but it is possible that someone uh, could end up social engineering or getting access to Bitfinex machines. Because if you get that Bitfinex key, then BitGo just signs it. Yeah, blindly. Um, yeah, so so it's, it's, it's definitely, a, it's a lot different than other exchanges. And I feel like people aren't really aware of that. No, again, like... Uh, this is such a fascinating story. So again, uh, going further... So this week, obviously, Department of Justice came out, announced that they had successfully uh, seized, a, a, what was it, 90,500 Bitcoin or something like that? 96,000 Bitcoin 96, valued at over $4 billion. Yeah, 96,000 to 4 billion, not 40, excuse me. I, I misspoke earlier. Yeah. Uh, but apparently, the husband and wife, Ilya uh, Lichtenstein and Heather Morgan are their names. They were living in New York City. The... Department of Justice was able to use chain analysis to track funds, a combination of that, and then uh, they found a cloud 
uh, cloud storage service they were using were able to. It's uh, like Google Drive. Yeah, Google Drive or something like Dropbox. Uh, and they were able to uh, successfully decrypt messages that included private keys. And so they were able to swipe the private keys in the Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I wouldn't... Uh, take it word for word. Yeah, I wouldn't read too much into that specifically. I mean, hopefully we get more information, but I don't really trust the U.S. government with this type of stuff because they've been known to do something called parallel construction, which is, you know, when they they figure it out a different way that wasn't uh, a legal way of doing something, and then they uh, set it up so that it... It so looks that legal. It, yeah, exactly. Um, but so like a really basically what we should be operating under is the high level stuff, which is these, these guys got arrested, um, connected to the Bitfinex hack, um, and 96,000 Bitcoin were seized. Uh, the, the other stuff is like almost, yeah, I like, even when they say like it, they decrypted it, we don't know what the encryption was. We don't know. I mean, for, for instance, like the, they could have just handed over the decryption key after they got arrested. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it was linked, it was already linked to them. So I think we'll find out more information as it goes on, but it is a pretty crazy story. I mean, a couple of key notes here. First of all, uh, I mean, first of all, this is the largest seizure in department of justice history, not Bitcoin specific. Ever. Like they've never seized this much money in one, uh, in one case or one arrest or something. They're bragging about it too. In, I guess we can stop calling Bitcoin unconfiscatable, right? It should yeah. be, be seizure resistant, not unconfiscatable. Yes. The difference between impossible to seize versus hard to seize. Wait, so, all right. How do we tack this part of the conversation? Because I've got many questions. Number one, like, are these two patsies? Are they scapegoats? Uh, like, from the government, were they involved with the hack or were they simply involved with the uh, task with laundering? The coins post hack, as it seems unbelievable. It's like when you see her TikTok videos, her rap videos, uh, that post that you did um, uh, put at the end of your thread there, like how to socially engineer things, was extremely interesting. Like maybe she was flaunting uh, their ability to to actually pull off the hack uh, post hoc. Uh, and you consider like Bitco had her on for. A cybersecurity. No, no, she was a she was a Forbes contributor, and Bitgo uh, did an article with her in Forbes. Yeah, did an article. They and they tagged her. They tagged her, and once again, Bitgo was the ones holding the Bitfinex uh, keys. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was an aspiring rapper, not very good. Uh, I mean, like, uh, it's like it's weird that you have you know billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin. And you're trying to get it into the traditional financial system using KYC exchanges and gift cards when you can like move to El Salvador and just spend it on pupusas and stuff without actually switching into U.S. dollars. Um, I mean, these guys, you know, they were holding keys in the cloud server like that. If you're yeah, but like I said, I I don't think we should pick apart that too much because who the fuck knows what the actual details are there. I mean, you yeah, because you think if you're savvy enough and uh, smart enough to pull off a hack of 120,000 Bitcoin, almost 120,000 Bitcoin, you can be smart enough not to hold the private keys in a, in a cloud server. Yeah. I mean, 
there's nuance there as well, right? Like if you if you do it right, it's not like the worst decision if you actually have it encrypted well. Um, it is funny that we, you know, we talk about, we go, go deep on like Bitcoin storage and stuff. And then they, just, they apparently just had it in cloud storage. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the U S government is now one of the largest holders of Bitcoin in the world. Um, so it should be interesting to see what happens to that coin. Uh, they, uh, did you see like the Bitfinex exchange token pumped on the news because yeah, Bitfinex Leo. said they're gonna said Leo, gonna, yeah, if they get the money back, they're gonna buy the token and then eighty percent of the value and then burn it. Um, so actually, like a lot of people are speculating, like, is Bitfinex even gonna get the money back? Well, uh, so even let's if get- they don't, they could sell the top on the Leo pump, and <laughs> they don't even have to get the money back. But yeah, I mean that uh, this is a very important point. Like, so hand up. I think Bitfinex had good stolen from. They should give it back. Obviously, a lot of nuance here. They were embroiled in a legal battle with the U- United States government at the time of the hack because of the regulatory arbitrage they were engaged in, uh, and, and not KYCing their their clients. The U.S. dollar, or excuse me, the U.S. government has confiscated that Bitcoin. And that's obviously Tether is still an ongoing saga between the U.S. government, particularly the United States Attorney General's office and Bitfinex, which is the parent company of Tether. Like, what what do you think happened? Do you think the government holds well, it? Do you think they auction it off or do you think they give it back to Bitfinex? Well, the other thing is, you know, it's not really Bitfinex's coin. It's their user's coin. Yes. Um, and then Bitfinex also played all those games where they gave everyone like that that other Bitfinex token, not Leo, the other one. And then some people sold that before they sold that and took a cut. Like um, the idea was that it would be, if you held on to it, it'd be worth a dollar, uh, the full dollar that you mm-hmm. lost. But people sold it as a discount because they didn't want to wait. And there was a lot of speculation that Bitfinex was basically just buying them at super low rates. So they basically gave everybody a haircut. So the question is, does it go to the users? Does it go to Bitfinex? Uh, does the U.S. government keep it? Does the U.S. government sell it? There's a lot of different aspects here. Regardless of what happens, I mean, presumably it's going to take a while to play out, right? Because all this stuff always moves really slowly. Um, Definitely going to be drawn out. What are your thoughts on the theory that the announcement was timed as a... The announcement was sort of ninja launched as a response to Russia beginning to posture like they are accumulating Bitcoin in one way or another. I don't think so. I I mean, I don't. uh, I don't really see. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, why? What would be the objective there? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of flexing going on between U.S. Russia over the Ukraine situation. Maybe Russia comes out like, hey, we, so this is the theory. I'm not saying this is true or not, or I'm not even sure I believe it yet, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it does turn out to be the case. Russia comes out like, all right, we're going to start avoiding SWIFT, using Bitcoin. We're going to make Bitcoin legal tender in the country. And we'll get to that as well. Cause there's, I don't like, obviously, I, I think we completely disagree with how Russia's rolling out their plans for uh, enabling their citizens to use Bitcoin, but they come out with that, like, hey, we're going to start 
potentially uh, mining Bitcoin. Maybe we'll do some international commodities trades denominated in Bitcoin instead of U.S. dollars. And then, so those were rumors that are beginning to fizzle. And I believe Putin said something like a veiled endorsement as well. And then the next day, the U.S. government comes out like, hey, we might have 90,000 Bitcoin. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's that coordinated. I think, uh, look, they love seizing Bitcoin. So uh, they've probably been working on this for a while. It was, you know, I, I doubt this kind of operation. It's obviously a massive operation. I mean, did you see... Did you see the uh, the docs that uh, the Justice Department released? Like they have very intense uh, chain surveillance flows, money flows, uh, information from Gmail and Dropbox and Coinbase. I presume like KYC exchanges, gift card providers, VPN providers. Like this was a intense, very you know, very extensive investigation. That took months, if not years, you know, to put together. I like really find it hard to believe that like some bullshit news story about Russia like was like incited it, timed it. Like it that doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, no. I liked. Um, I was looking up his name because I'm gonna butcher it. Um, there was this theory uh, that I kind of liked, which was that Bitfinex. Uh, that the U.S. government hacked Bitfinex in 2016, and that these guys are just uh, had the U.S. government told them to go along with it just to pretend that it wasn't the U.S. So the U.S. government's been holding it the whole time. They're patsies. Yeah, but I that's probably not the case. But uh, it's an interesting theory. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Sashin Mir um, at River. I'm sorry if I butchered your name. Sashin. Yeah. But that was his that was his theory, which it wasn't like that's not that far fetched. No, I don't think that's far. Yeah. Well, what will be again? What will be interesting is what they do with the Bitcoin. Historically, the Department of Justice uh, via the U.S. Marshals uh, Office has auctioned off Bitcoin that they've seized in the past. Famously, Tim Draper, I believe he bought right. thirty thousand Bitcoin for like three hundred three hundred dollars a pop back in the day. Uh, Carlos makes an interesting point in the comments, which is true that the Bitcoin, it seems the Bitcoin were seized on February 1st um, because you can see the on-chain activity. Basically, there was a consolidation in a one Bitcoin uh, test transaction, which the U.S. government's known to do, the one Bitcoin test transaction. Um, Why one Bitcoin? Why not test it with a, a million sats, U.S. government? You're going to burn precious sats if you fuck up. Who even needs, who tests, I mean, why do you have to send a test transaction? I mean, just, I mean, if you're sending 90, 96,000 Bitcoin, maybe, maybe you send a million. Yeah, but what's the fuck up that you're protecting against? I mean, just in case you copy and paste the wrong address. But then you could still copy and paste the wrong address, the second transaction anyway. Like, it's just a weird, it's, it's a weird process. I I saw, I was involved in a Bitcoin, uh, not me personally, but I was involved in a deal with a Bitcoin transaction and a test transaction was sent first. And a lot of times in the mining world, if you buy miners with Bitcoin, there's a lot of money. But it's one thing if you're sending it to someone else, like they're sending it to themselves. I don't know. I just don't think it really protects you from much. Yeah, maybe it's just a, a human peace of mind thing. Like they didn't even attempt to spend it. It wasn't like, 
you send the test transaction and then you spend the test transaction and then you do it just to make sure you can spend from those private keys. Like they just sent a test transaction and then they sent the rest of it afterwards. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Does the uh, Kita just ask like, what wallet are they using to hold this? Like, do you think the US government has a full node that they're using to validate the the receipt of these, these Bitcoin? It's- I, I Maybe. I don't know, dude. Like, I, everyone should read the Justice Department thing. Like, if you think that they're, if you think that the U.S. government is oblivious to Bitcoin and doesn't know what they're doing, uh, there's a lot of sophisticated analysis that's happening there. Um, so, you know, who knows? My, you know, they might be, they probably are using like a regulated custodian or something. Um, probably using the same custodian Sailor uses. <laughs> No comment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because no. the custodians, then they can insure it too, right? Which is like. I but does the, does the US government even care about insuring it, right? Like, They're not telling us, that's for sure. It's just really, it's a really weird story. But I, once again, I would say like, uh, you know, it's almost, too, next, it's almost too next, weird. It's too weird to yeah. believe for me, man. I just like, I can't. Bitfinex was using a very insecure method at the time because of regulatory arbitrage. It wasn't that complicated of a hack, potentially. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a full postmortem now that these these people are arrested from Bitfinex, who's never given a proper postmortem. Bitfinex kind of blames BitGo. BitGo blames Bitfinex. Um, but both of them are at fault here, and they had a very insecure method. And then these people potentially stumbled into it. They found the vulnerability, or they social, social engineered themselves in, or combination of both. And... Uh, and then the money just kept, like the the purchasing power of that Bitcoin just kept going crazy, right? Like when they took it, it wasn't it was seventy million dollars. I mean, that's still crazy, but uh, you know, and they were way out of their depth, and they just like that's it's not sometimes it's you know yeah, truth is stranger are, than exactly truth is stranger yeah. than fiction. And I, but I think. Like even though Bitfinex and BitGo are like bitching at each other, I think you made a good point in that thread though. It's like onerous KYC AML laws like 100%, made, made yeah. users less safe at the end of the day. Like, you know, people got uh, got too creative or too complex with the setup when arguably they did not have to be nearly that complex just because of onerous regulations. Yeah, I mean, the hack would have never happened if the U.S. government wasn't going after Bitfinex. Yeah. That's why I like Sashin's theory, right? Because the U.S. <laughs> government makes them use a, a less secure method or basically incentivizes them to use a less secure method than they steal it. Yeah. Again, like I think I like the Bitfinex team. We've always said it on this show. Like they seem to be true cypherpunks. They're trying to stay core to the ideals that Bitcoin was founded on. Again, we don't endorse Tether or anything, but like Tether is a regulatory arbitrage mechanism that that has been working and and does enable people to do things outside the purview of the U.S. government and other governments, for that matter. With all that taken into consideration, I think Bitfinex should definitely get the Bitcoin back. Their users should get the Bitcoin back. However, I think the involvement or the embroilment of the U.S. government and Bitfinex in regards to Tether specifically does present a variable where I, I could totally see the U.S. government be like, nope, it's ours now. I think it's more likely that the U.S. doesn't, U.S. government doesn't give it back. Yeah. 
When then do they hold it or auction it off? That's the big question. I think they auction it. You do. They're not going to hold Bitcoin. I don't know. I mean, they they. Sh- I I'm like torn on it because, um, first of all, like a a government that doesn't have Bitcoin, like during hyper Bitcoinization, is going to be trying to take their citizens' Bitcoin. Um, so it's in a lot of ways it could be better for Americans if if the U.S. government holds and accumulates Bitcoin. But uh, on the counterpoint, uh, if they hold know, it, it, validates it. Well, not even that. The counter the counterpoint is like I don't like I, I personally think there should be a law that says they can't they can't hold seized Bitcoin because I you know I don't that's like such a horrible incentive if they're just gonna start seizing all of our Bitcoin and keeping it. Right. Interesting precedents are gonna be set here. This is I mean, well, precedents have already been set. They they have auctioned it off historically. Silk Road coins. That's what Tim Draper bought. Yeah, they'll probably just auction it. So, I mean, that's a shit ton of Bitcoin, 96,000. That's almost... <laughs> Less than MicroStrategy. Less than MicroStrategy. Only, only by like 30,000 Bitcoin uh, or just below that. So that, yeah, when they do auction that, like we don't talk about price too much here. Uh, you think that's going to be a drag on price for a while? Because people expect that auction to happen. Uh, I don't know. Um... I mean, you can look at it both ways, right? Like that, that Bitcoin's not going to hit the market anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of locked up for now. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Never a fucking boring day in Bitcoin. This story, I was like, what the fuck? And then the other thing is like the whole, like people are like, if you have $4 billion, why are you doing stupid rap videos and TikToks and uh, all this stuff? Is that, you know, People love engagement. People love social media. Social <laughs> well, media is addicting. Like, there doesn't need to be a, a reason for that. Like, that's just that's just people nowadays. Well, the most hilarious part about all that is she was getting no engagement. Like, no, YouTube videos no. had like four hundred views before this week. She, she was she was the richest rapper of all time. <laughs> <laughs> right, richer than Dre, richer than Jay. She's not anymore, but she was. Yeah. <sighs> She did it, yeah. I hope we find out the 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 whole true story at some point because it is fascinating. Because like part of me is All like, I, yeah. Uh, I'm I just glad they weren't freaks. <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, first of all, I'd be a bit disappointed in them. Yes, no, don't rob. <laughs> like, there's so many. I mean, no, I just mean so many mistakes made privacy wise. <laughs> um, and then second of all, like I don't know, like I I'd prefer if like. You know, a four billion dollar hack. They they don't like in court. They're like, oh, like they were using like Odell's gods, and they were like actively <laughs> listening to TOTC and Citadel Dispatch and Rabbit Hole Recap. Like, fuck. That would, I mean, it's probably going to happen eventually, right? Like, don't commit crimes, freaks. Don't yes. Um, Pay your taxes. If, don't commit crimes. <laughs> but yeah, that that was a relief when I saw that they weren't freaks. Yes. I mean they are freaks, but they're not our freaks. No. Yeah, I mean they're they're legitimate like freaks where <laughs> like not the endearing one. No. Yeah, it's I'm trying to describe like the vibe. It's like some brutalist like modern brutalist 
Like I can't tell if they're trying to be cringe on purpose to like No get, way. Yeah. I like I it's ended, so cringe where it's like, is it like some weird it's like when Joaquin Phoenix did that uh, that live action like pretended he was a rapper and all that shit. Like is it is it like that? There are like some music videos that are good because they're cringe, right? Like uh um the one that is used for the Bitcoin meme. Right, where it's like, yeah. uh, <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Or like, there's a there's a bunch of like Icelandic ones and stuff like that that are just fucking hilarious. But like these these like they're unbearable. Like they're just it's just really really bad. Yeah, I, I like I ended dispatch with one because I had to, but like it was just <laughs> horrible. Like I apologized to the freaks before I ended it. The vacuum cleaner one it was like, did you watch that one? It's just, I just, no one, like, did they not have any friends to tell them, like, this is just bad? That's what makes me but, think, like, uh, yeah. Now we know how they paid for it, though. They just kept <laughs> making music videos. Well, that's not like, like, how were they able to spend that? That stolen they, Bitcoin. Like, I always assume, because because you'll, you'll get, there's Twitter bots that track the Bitfinex hack coins. Whenever there's a hack, somebody spins up a Twitter right. bot to, like, watch the address. Well, and, well there was movements like at the end of alerts. last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the elliptic analysis was interesting. Like they tried everything. They used dark markets. Uh, they used KYC exchanges. I don't know why they would use KYC exchanges. They used joint market. They used Wasabi. They used Monero. Um, they switched into Monero. Then they switched back. But they like, they like switched into Monero, like sent it to a KYC exchange and then pulled it out as Bitcoin. Like what, uh, what is that? Pro- like what's going on there? Um, I don't know. It was a it's a very weird story. I it very should be odd. interesting as more information comes out. If more information comes out, yeah. If I hope it does, I do want to get like a clear, full picture on this because it's very uh, intuitively just my uh, my own take on it is like something doesn't add up. There's something off about this story in my mind. Where like maybe it's just part of me doesn't want to believe that these two individuals specifically, if they're actually not like playing roles and acting, because it seems like a giant act as well. Well, they were Dodd Eats. Right. I, uh, just another tangential thing that just like, I don't know, grinds my gears. Um, Like the same influencers, the same like Bitcoin influencers that are always like talking about how Bitcoin's unconfiscatable. uh, But like posting tweets about um, Bitcoin's not good for crime uh, because it's you know perfectly traceable or whatever. Like I because mean, they're I trying to, of, because they're trying to get politicians on their side. Like they're it's like a posture. I mean, they're like, being hypocrites. It's just like I don't know. It's it's super hypocritical and it's frustrating. I know. Uh, I know exactly how you feel. Like like if 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 you can trace and seize coin from a criminal, like the same thing can happen to refugees. The same thing can happen to dissidents and activists. So like, be consistent. Well, this is this is why. I mean, a lot of people don't like him, but I fucking love him. Budion is incredible. Words matter. That's why, like, I, I try to be intentional with the words. Matt, probably more so than me, like censorship resistant. It's not completely uh, seizure resistant. Seizure resistant. Hard to like I said, it's like hard to confiscate. It's like technically somebody right. come to my house. If I can. Like put a gun in my head and be like, 
give me the private keys. He's like, all right, you just confiscated it for me. It's not impossible to confiscate. It's not, it's not, it's hard to censor, but it's not impossible. Words matter. Intentionality matters. And, and it's like Cash App, Cash, that actually reminds me, Cash App formally announced their lightning integration and they put, they put, it's free to send payments on lightning. It's not free. Exactly. It's above zero for sure. Like we don't know what the fees are going to be at scale yet, but it's definitely not free. Um, you still have to pay. And like, it's free on Cash App because Cash App's subsidizing the fees. Yes. Words but matter like, Cash App. It's the same thing all over again that we had to deal with with the early Bitcoin. Yeah, with Roger Ver. That said all Bitcoin transactions were free and instant. And then it just took years to you know, change that false narrative. And now we're doing it again with lightning. Super Agreed. frustrating. Agreed. Uh, but something we, like, what I wanted to do here, so Cash App rolled out uh, lightning payments to all their users uh, this week. It's not free. I, I, can, I can show you via lightning transactions that I've sent that there are fees attached. They are relatively low compared to on-chain. You can send much smaller amounts, but yes, again, words matter. It's not free. It's relatively cheap. Very cheap. Relatively state. cheap, instant, boom. Yeah. And like the other thing is like, so I knew when I posted that tweet underneath their announcement that the, there's this guy, zero fee routing, who has a routing node that's zero fees, was going to comment underneath me because I just, I just, as I pressed send tweet, I was like, I knew he's, I know he's going to. And yeah, like some routing nodes might have no fees, um, but at scale, that's going to be a centralization risk. Um, it's it's not yet seen what that's going to look like. And there is obviously a fee. if you have there is a fee. He's just paying it with his hosting costs. Like that's right. And then you have uh, obviously in direct channel situations, you could have no fee if it's just no hops at all. And and like if if you're not using a custodial wallet, which I wouldn't even consider Lightning to be honest. Like you still have on you have on chain open and closed fees for the channels. So like there's it's it, it's it's low it's low cost but it's definitely not free, no. And it, and it's yet to be seen what the fees will you know it's at scale fees are set at a you know a dynamic free market by node operators depending on their liquidity and what they decide to do. So it's yet to really be seen what that's going to look like over time. Yeah, I mean, it's important to set the stage this way. Like, like we were talking last week with the mining narrative around like demand response and grids and stuff like that. Like it's important to be upfront about what's happening. And people aren't just giving electricity back to the grid out of the goodness of their heart. There's a profitability motive there. And on top of that, with the demand response specifically, like on grid, you build out extra capacity. If you're going to like incentivize the build out of extra capacity, you want it to be reliable, baseload stuff and not wind and solar. And like, there's a lot of people in the mining industry being like, yes, we're going to incentivize renewables. It's like, that's not going to help the grid. Like you're, you're setting yourself up for narrative failure in the future where Bitcoin miners were like, Hey, we're going to save the grid. We're going to save the grid, build out all this wind and solar and gets cloudy out. The wind dies. They have a shit ton of capacity yet. No electricity. And people are like, what, what the hell Bitcoin miners? We thought you were here to save the grid. Similarly, with uh, 
zero fee on the Lightning Network. I mean, just, you're just setting yourself up for failure in the future. Yep. Think about, think, think, think. Second, third, fourth order effects. Don't just, because it's easy. Like you said, there are a lot of people on Bitcoin Twitter that just like use that. I mean, I did it today in a trolley manner. Somebody actually um, responded to me like, oh, you're you're just using the the growth hack of like breaking in all caps. But mine my, my was like breaking. Uh, <laughs> The U.S. government underreports inflation numbers, yet still hits a forty-year high. Um, oh, I don't have that on the list. That's yeah. crazy, right? Seven and a half percent seven, inflation. Yeah. So, how is that measured? That's a quarterly. Uh, it's monthly, but the, the numbers come out monthly, but they're on a twelve-year rolling basis or twelve-month well, rolling basis. It's, so it's a one-year. It's a look it's, back. It's the one-year seven and a half percent increase yes. in CPI. So they yeah. take their basket of goods. That they keep changing. Uh, they take that basket and then they check what the price was a year ago, and then that's it's up seven and a half percent. Yes, and that basket of goods is not uh, not really indicative of of real inflation if you're, right. if you're paying attention. Uh, they like ignore gas. They ignore like high quality food. They yes. ignore education. Um, they ignore healthcare, like the major expenses that people have, they ignore. <laughs> yes. Um, so then they're ignoring all that. It's still seven and a half percent, 40 year high. So I believe 1982, literally 40 years on the dot was the last time we hit this level of inflation. Um, and it's being vastly underreported. I mean, depending on what asset you're looking at, I believe I saw like real estate as a sector generally is like 38% year on year used cars. 35%. Uh, beef, obviously, is a big uh, topic of discussion recently is is at least 20% higher. Um, so they're, they're under-reporting the numbers, yet they're still hitting 40-year uh, <laughs> highs, which is a bit scary. And it has been interesting to see how markets have reacted to this inflation print, the CPI print specifically, because inflation is running high. For anybody who's not up to speed with how central bankers would react to this, inflation is running high, you need to bring it down. You don't want prices to rise astronomically. And so the the, uh, the, the thought is, like, all right, inflation is 7.5% high since 1982. The Fed's going to raise rates, uh, which is going to make the cost of capital more expensive, which should... Uh, cool down the economy a bit and bring prices back down. Yet uh, today, I believe I don't. I haven't checked the stock market um, since like earlier today, but it was like a little bit volatile. It was up. Bitcoin's obviously been up, which is interesting. That's another theme of the week: is Bitcoin seem like, intraday. This is not indicative of uh, a long-term trend or um, uh, anything that's set in stone, but. Bitcoin did decouple from the stock market a couple of days this week where the stock market went down, Bitcoin went up, and that was a point of uh, discussion this week. Like, is the decoupling coming? Like, is Bitcoin going to uh, not move in tandem with <laughs> the uh, stock market and other, and other major uh, Look at that pump. assets? Matt hasn't plugged. Matt's not plugging, not plugging his- it until we go back over. <laughs> He's not plugging it back in. <laughs> Who are we? Yeah, mine's not on the price right now. But yeah, that's the. That uh, is. Uh, I'm not going to call it one way or the other if the de- decoupling's here, but it has been interesting today. The market 
reaction to that inflation print was a bit volatile, where many would have expected the market to tank drastically, but it it, it didn't. Um, it would tank drastically because interest rates are going to rise. You have Fed officials coming out. I believe I heard one say they wanted to raise rates by 1%, which would be pretty drastic. In this environment, others come out and say 50 bips is probably worth it. And then obviously you have speculation, like they're never going to do it. I'm, uh, I'm on that side. I, I don't think they're going to raise rates, but we'll see. Have you ever read the book Mandibles? Uh, Gladstein's number one recommended book. I have not, yeah, but it's based I, in it's based in Brooklyn, right? I'm halfway I'm halfway through it right now, based on Gladstein's recommendation. What are your thoughts? What are, What do you have to say about? It? Why'd you bring it up? Uh, I, just because this is what they go like. It's a it's a near term fiction book set in 2029 of of uh, of the U.S. government going through hyperinflation. Um. And it's like just kind of scaring the shit out of me. Like I knew all this stuff, but like just I don't know. Just I'm obviously confirming a bunch of biases. Bitcoin's not in it. There's like one line where they were like, "There's like it's not even really a spoiler because it's like early on." There's just like one line where they're like, "Yeah, remember what happened to Bitcoin or whatever?" Like it just like died or something. <laughs> they like don't even talk about it. But uh, all I can say is thank God we have Bitcoin. If that's the type of situation we go through. Um, and I'm just feeling a lot of, uh, I don't know, just reading the book while this is going on just makes me yeah, kind of feel like it's going to. Well, that's, that's why the today's market very quickly. Yeah. That's why today's market movements are interesting in the very least, potentially scary at the very most is because like, is this a crack up boom phase? Like if. Markets are yeah. basically if the markets are again go to Google Finance Car or whatever, Finviz is another good one too. Uh, but if markets are up today with that inflation print, that would that would signal that um, markets are like, yeah, don't even care. They're not they're not going to raise rates. No, they're down. It, they're down across yeah, the board. <laughs> I I do recommend that Bitcoiners read. Uh, it's an easy read. It's like a a fun read, I guess. Uh, besides, it just being dark as fuck. Um, but yeah, it'll just confirm all of your biases in a nice, fun read kind of way. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. There's a lot going on in uh, in Brooklyn in that book, correct? I mean, it's based. Uh, it the it's mostly based in New York, yeah. Um, but. Uh, that you know, they talk about the whole world and they talk about the country and some characters live in DC and stuff, but like the main the main characters are in New York. Yeah. Interesting time, freaks, interesting times. Make sure you're stacking sats, make sure you're getting them off exchanges too. Get them off exchanges. What do we have next on the list? I don't even have the list so, up right now. I mean, like that's like a perfect example, right? It's like when we were talking about Henry from Tech Lore's post. Right, like Bitcoiners like get into fights over all these, you know, and a lot of times it devolves into personal attacks about like all these like nuances of what's the best practices restoring and using Bitcoin and stuff. And then ninety nine percent of people are just keeping it on a KYC exchange, (laughs) right? Not even taking custody. Get them off, freaks. Get them off, Henry. I was calling him Pete earlier. I'm sorry, Henry. 
on to maybe more optimistic still volatile sign of the times Canadian protest we talked about it last week we had a freak in the comments saying that it was FUD that GoFundMe was going to freeze the funds uh, that was proven wrong rather quickly after recording I believe it was less than 12 hours after recording GoFundMe pulled um, support for the Freedom Convoy and it's been a, a large topic of discussion throughout the week Tucker Carlson talked about it on his show, uh, Canadian news uh, agencies are picking it up and misrepresenting it. Uh, uh, but obviously, we talked about Tallycoin last week and the Hong Kong HODL initiative that is being run by BTC Sessions. We only named him last week, but Greg Foss is involved. Uh, Jeff Booth is involved in um, Caribou. Is it BTC Caribou? Isn't it like nobody caribou or something? Nobody caribou. Caribou, no one or something? Great Canadian. Great Canadian. Uh, something caribou. Player. Supposedly he did an episode with Vallis that was really good. Yes. Yes. I, I caught a few minutes of that. They, they jumped into like the the energy of, of what's going on and why it's going. So the tally coin last week when we donated, I believe it was like, it was a very small amount of Bitcoin. I think this is like their second campaign too, by the way. Um, or they just I don't keep, think so. They just keep upping it. They just keep upping. They just it. keep increasing the goal. Yes, I think it's interesting that I was actually having this conversation with Steve yesterday, uh, Bitcoin Design Guide, because I was like, I asked him, uh, should wallets uh, default to Sats, and when you're going to add it to the Design Guide, and um, and uh, like the argument that I always kind of thought about Sats was like Sats was for lower amounts. And then you use Bitcoin for higher amounts. Um, but meanwhile, you have this, which is getting a lot of mainstream coverage, a lot of mainstream users, and they're denominating it by default in sats for a very large number, right? Like 15 Bitcoin is 1.5 billion sats is how it's being displayed. Um, so maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it's just sats across the board. And I, I, would, I also always thought like with donations, you're more likely to get more donations Um if it's in Bitcoin rather than sats, because it just seems like you're sending less money if you send 0.001 Bitcoin rather than 100,000 sats. Um, but this seems to point in the opposite direction there. Yeah. So instead of sending less Bitcoin, the total number donated seems a lot larger, right? And that's why sats probably makes yeah. sense in this case. No, no, no. I think, I, I mean, I would think you would think it would be the opposite. Oh, I, I, you would think that, but like what turns out to be the case is like, look, people are looking, oh, one, one billion, five hundred ninety-four million. Like, oh, that's a lot. Like, I can make this number go higher. Thanks, Ty. Right. Nobody asked you, Ty. Ty is always on the right side of history. I'm fucking with you, Ty. Um, Ty, get your ass to Austin. But anyway, as I said uh, last week, before GoFundMe decided to ban it ban them. I mean, this is this is the single biggest advertisement for Bitcoin since WikiLeaks, period. Yeah. Right. Um, people a, are waking up. It's the value prop is key. Um, you know, Bitcoin is is usable money if you're being politically persecuted. And uh this is a perfect example in the Western world of that happening. Yeah. I mean you couldn't ask for a better endorsement. Like like we said last week on the show and go back and roll the tapes. I use the Lightning Network to send 20 bucks. We'll send more to this campaign as well, but it went from my node that we control straight to Ben, Jeff, and Greg's node that they control, and there's nobody there to stop it. It's a fucking well, beautiful thing. Or, or the, well, well, 
first of all, uh, they're using a fixed address for on-chain. So it's a reused address, just a heads up to everybody. So if you're if you're donating either directly from a KYC exchange or from KYC funds that you haven't used any privacy uh, techniques with, privacy best practices with, you could end up on a list for donating. So keep that in mind. Lightning is strictly better uh, in this situation for donation purposes um, from a privacy perspective. But it's worth noting that you said it was... Uh, like FOSS boots and sessions note. It's just sessions personal note. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry for throwing FOSS. You probably sh- they probably should have made a dedicated note for it rather than BTC sessions, but it's easy to say this stuff after the fact, like they didn't know it was going to blow up so big. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, I'm already on that list. I have video of me sending. So, Hey, Hey, what's up other yeah, people I mean, on the I'm, list? I'm publicly that I that I donated as well, right? But that's that's different than necessarily like the exact transaction ID that you sent, um, or like specifically like if you're Canadian, uh, yeah. like we had there was some there was a tweet that I retweeted or whatever that was some woman got a lot of engagement in Canada who wanted GoFundMe to release all the donors' names. Oh um, yeah, uh, Catherine. This is like this is a this is a surveillance firm. Uh, like they're so happy right now. They're just like surveillance firms are probably all over that address. There's so much information there. Um, Think about what you're doing. Surveillance firms. These people are fighting for their freedom. And you're on the side of the despots. I will say they are making a multi-sig. They're going to sweep all the funds because that seems like that's a single sig address. They're going to sweep all the funds to a multi-sig and then figure out what to do with them from there. Um, also, one thing to note is that Tallycoin does let you upload an XPub so you don't reuse addresses. Yeah, be beware. Um, but they didn't. They chose. They actively chose not to because they wanted the transparency of a of a fixed address. Um, so yeah, everything has trade offs. Um, yeah, this I is wish- like it's a perfect example of something that people would fight over. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the ideal situation really would be. Um, an XPUB directly into a CoinJoin wallet. So it's a new address every time. And then before consolidations or spends happen, uh, CoinJoin happens. Um, but yeah, I'm look, at the end of the day, I don't envy the guys running that crowdfund. I appreciate them. I'm glad that pressure is not on me. Um, it's almost like, a, you know, they just have so much pressure on them and they're obviously not getting paid to do it. So... I think you. Um, I think I, I think everything. I do as well. I think everything's going to turn out fine. It's a beautiful thing. They're peaceful individuals. They're. I mean, I was upstanding I like jumped, individuals. I jumped in briefly, very briefly, one of the spaces where a bunch of uh, them were talking, and like, it is not going to be clean how to spend it. Like, what are they going to spend it on? You know, there's all these different like red tape that they have to deal with. Like they got to get lawyers involved and accountants involved. There's articles in in Canadian papers saying like Bitcoin big shots are doing this donation stuff. Like there's so much uh, publicity on it. There's people are going to be mad at them regardless of how they spend it. Like I, I don't think I don't I don't I don't think people appreciate and like God forbid they fuck up the multi sig or something and they lose <laughs> they lose that burn. Bitcoin. 
Just burn 21 million coins or 20. We've only only we've only coins. skipped one week of rabbit hole recap since we started uh, three plus years ago. And it was very early on. And then we felt immediately bad about it. If they lose access to this multi-sig and lose like 20 Bitcoin publicly, we should just skip rabbit hole recap that week. Like I just. <laughs> Why? Why would we skip just, it? Just fuck <laughs> solidarity. that shit. Be, it would just <laughs> suck. It would just really fucking suck if that happened. Yeah. Uh, here's the hoping it doesn't. I don't I don't think it would they seem like competent individuals. <laughs> but uh <laughs> like we were saying earlier though, like this whole thing, I mean again, it's the biggest advertisement for Bitcoin that you could ever have. It's, it's the biggest one since WikiLeaks, definitely. I mean, I had somebody so uh, I tweeted out earlier this week, like everybody, like you have people on Bitcoin, a lot of the cloud changes, like Bitcoin needs a marketing team, it needs a marketing team. No, it doesn't. Like this is you can't buy this type of marketing. Like it's literally hand fed to us or hand fed yeah. to the masses. Like this is why Bitcoin exists. And somebody responded, like it wasn't until this event, like I've been trying to grok Bitcoin for two years, but it wasn't until GoFundMe pulled the funds and then tally people using Tallycoin were able to step up that it really clicked. Like, oh, this is why Bitcoin exists. Like are, it's definitely having an impact on people who have been watching Bitcoin from afar and being like, what the hell is this? Is this a Ponzi scheme? No, there's many people being like, oh, this is why Bitcoin exists. 100%. Yeah. Takar pulled this up. Um, this is something, we're working on it here. We're building, a, trying to build a, a, a more sovereign stack for content creators at TFTC. We leverage it. Obviously, this is our website. And so DJ, our developer, has been working hard to integrate BTC Pay Server throughout uh, throughout uh, Ghost. And we're going to try and make it so you can do content monetization via newsletters. Right now, Substack is very popular. You, you pay five bucks a month. You can use OpenNode or you can use Stripe and you're, you're able to um, start uh, contributing to content creators, but we want to do it more sovereignly. And um, we're, he built something that is going to enable us to pay per article, do a paywall, 10 cents, buy an article instead of having to give us your email address, uh, your Stripe information, all that. Um, but I wanted to do the demo. I know we were talking shit on Cash App saying Lightning Network was free, but let's do a demo paying for this article right now via the Cash App. And the reason... Um, I want to use the Cash App is because I think they've taken uh, they've taken something that you really like in the space, Matt, particularly, and implemented it into their app. And I I just did this by accident earlier today; didn't even notice. But I'm going to do it right now. All right, so I'm paying. Boom, paid for if you're watching the live stream. But the beauty of that via the Cash App is like it's Moon Wallet. I just scanned it. I didn't even have to go to like my Bitcoin page. Ah. I didn't have to go to my Bitcoin page. I didn't have to go like send Bitcoin, send it over the Lightning Network specifically. They, they can just, just tell. Yes. Yeah. I, and I did that accidentally this morning. But that is a sick feature because, like, you know, like we've been talking about the POS systems. I mean, that should just be the standard. Yes. At merchants. Um, you like I scan it like at a merchant. I pay U.S. dollar from the Cash App, um, 
And so that could be a, an on-chain address. It could be a cash app address. It could be a lightning address. You just scan and it recognizes it and pays it automatically. I thought that was really cool about that that part of the rollout on the product That's side. great. That's exactly how it should be implemented. Yeah. So you just scan and boom, you can read the article. This was written in 2020. Shout out to DJ Seeds, underrated Bitcoiner. Probably because Appreciate you, DJ. He likes to stay under the radar. Ugh. What else do we got? What I'm we got? fucking exhausted, Marty. Well, we've got, like, we've got, dying we, over we're, here. we're this only like, so long. We're only like four, four, uh, what do you want to just end it? We're only an hour and 20 minutes in. No, I don't want to end it. I mean, the list is so much longer. I just, I'm exhausted. That's all. I'll continue. Yeah. Oh, shout out to our, our Canadian brethren and sister yeah. up north fighting the good fight. Keep fighting. The the media. It's effective. Keep it, keep protesting. Keep I think you guys are gonna win if you keep keep holding strong. I'm I, cautiously optimistic. I am as well. Trudeau seems to be in a very bad spot from a game theoretical position. He looks weak as fuck. Keep trucking, baby. You guys are gonna win if you keep trucking. I think you have Is he he's still nowhere to be found, right? No, I think he was in Parliament today, actually. Um, I think he is in Ottawa. I think he's in Parliament, but I, I think he is worried. Um, you had Pierre Polyver come out and announce that he's going to be running for Prime Minister of Canada. He seems to be a Bitcoiner. Uh, that would be that would be cool. Um, if anything, just to get Trudeau out of there. But like Trudeau, I think they had their election last year, right? So he's got like at least three more years unless he gets impeached, which I think may be a possibility considering what's going on now, but it's, it is pretty disgusting to see how the Canadian, some parts of the Canadian media and Trudeau specifically are just gaslighting the whole, the whole movement into like, I said it, uh, on an episode earlier this week with Jesse Matchy, but like even my mother-in-law, I love you to death, Meg. I love you to death. But like my wife and I were like, we went to see Rogan do stand up on Tuesday night and <laughs> we were FaceTiming my mother and I were like, yeah, we're going to see Rogan tonight. And she's like, oh, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. Like, are you, are you guys supporting the truckers too? I was like, yes. Like these people that are watching mainstream media here in the US or up in Canada, like Ugh. truly think these are Nazi, white supremacists, racist, fringe well, minorities running, running these movements. Look, it's not, this is not unique. Whenever there's a protest, half of the, half of the country either agrees with it or disagrees with it based on what their politics are. Like there's very few people that are uh, consistent in terms of protesting and the rights to protest. It's just, if you agree with them, if you agree with their politics, then you think it's a good thing. And if you don't agree with their politics, you just, you think it's uh, a horrible thing that needs to be stopped. No, well, Trudeau any means necessary. Trudeau being a perfect example. I mean, there's incredible, clips out there of him in like 2019 being like we need to we need to uphold the right of everybody to protest peacefully and then like now it's like oh they're all fringe minorities supremacist white supremacist uh homophobics it's like all right dude like i mean he's i'm not even gonna say i mean he's 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 a tool <laughs> he's a puppet of people he's he's an actor he's, he, he doesn't really have control he's being told what to do is what i believe we're going to stay on the topic of Canada. KPMG Canada uh, has added Bitcoin to its balance sheet as well as Ethereum 
and they plan on getting into digital asset space. Uh, I don't know what I think about this. And it seems like they're a bit shit. Whatever. Yeah. It's 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 notable. Needed to be on the list. Yeah. Don't really fucking give a shit. All right. That's what we'll <laughs> say. Not, about that. It's not even the it's not even the main KPMG, but still notable. KPMG Canada. Yeah, it's KPMG's minor league. Sorry, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all of our Canadian freaks out there, I love it. I love Canadians. Played lacrosse, as you freaks know. Canadians were the toughest, baddest motherfuckers on the lacrosse field. Bar none. I thought, I thought this next uh, item was very underreported. Uh, the the Russian regulation plan to plan. regulate Bitcoin. Like everyone made it out to seem super bullish. No, it's um, fucked up. But, like I mentioned it earlier, like it's yeah. fucked up. There's a section in here that it goes. You have to register um, everything, right? The document provisions the usage of a quote unquote transparent blockchain monitoring system, which will identify and classify people, organizations, and wallets that use, sell, or deal with cryptocurrencies in Russia. Transparent blockchain can create models between different transactions and scan the internet and the dark net to reveal wallets connected to suspicious activities, including money laundering, terrorism, financing, and weapon distribution in the country. It appears individuals will be allowed to use self-custody wallets, but would need to register it with transparent blockchain beforehand to connect to the wallet to the person using it. Yeah. Like that's some authoritarian, scary, dystopian bullshit. Like yeah, that I mean, is not that is not bullish and that is not something that should be applauded as, oh, these re- the regulatory uncertainty will be cleared up and it's good for Bitcoin. Like, fuck that shit. Completely agreed. Now the question is, who gets the, so white, la- who gets the white label uh, corporate deal with Russia for transparent blockchain elliptic or chain analysis? They're just going to white label their software and hide behind it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> They're probably all good. They're going to use like an, a combination of all those fucking mercenary companies. Yeah. No, this is truly fucked up and not, like you mentioned, not anything to celebrate. They're trying to have users register their addresses with Bitcoin or excuse me, their Bitcoin addresses with the government. And this is not what you want. I mean, this is Bitcoin's a double edged sword. It is a transparent ledger. We do, we talk about a lot on this podcast. Like, we need to build out the tools that make it much harder to use heuristics that are typically used by chain analysis companies to identify and track people throughout to the ledger. And it seems like right now, Russia, Putin, the Putin regime seems pretty confident that if they can get their citizens to uh, register their addresses and connect their addresses to their IDs that they'll successfully be able to track them and monitor them and uh, have control over them via, even though they're using Bitcoin, which is not something that should be celebrated at all. We need to build yeah. better Fuck tools. Fuck this shit. Yeah. That being said, Russian freaks, if you're out there, download wallets using Tor, use CoinJoin, keep it on the DL. If you do some some satellite broadcasting of transactions and stuff like that. Uh, there are ways to get about it, around it, but it is a risk if you're found doing that and using a wallet that has not been registered with. It's such a brutal, like, it's a Soviet fucking name, transparent blockchain, too. Like, it's not even creative, like elliptic or chain analysis. Uh, you can get around it, but the thing that sucks is if you're caught trying to get around it, you're probably... You're going to get sent to jail, which is 
not something that should be celebrated at all. You're really tired, dude. Dude, my eye, I like I'm having trouble keeping my eyes open. Um, then on the, there's so many. <laughs> Yeah, stick, to your, stick to your day job. There's, <laughs> there's, there's so many different uh, uh, stories here about government overreach in terms of privacy and Bitcoin. Um, Kazakhstan floating a 500% tax increase on Bitcoin miners. Yeah, this is pretty... This is, I mean, we've talked about this Kazakhstan story many times over the last six months. It's particularly fucked up about this headline in this story, if it does come to fruition, is the fact that Kazakhstan lured miners in <laughs> uh, with tax breaks. Like, hey, come, we'll, we'll let you use our electricity. We'll give you a tax break even. We'll give you some tax credits. They come set up your large mining operations. And they did that. And similarly, what happened to Hydro-Quebec many years ago, they get locked in. They have all this infrastructure built out, all this investment poured into these sites and then the government's like, yeah, you're here now. Uh, we're going to raise rates on you. You, know, you. Not only are you not going to get a tax break, but you're going to get a significant tax increase, which again, mining is a very uh, competitive business. Profit margins historically have been relatively thin uh, with uh, the caveat of the last 12 months probably being an anomaly in the historic uh, perspective of the mining industry because of the China migration, but now all those miners that moved to Kazakhstan thinking they were going to get these tax breaks locked in to very expensive infrastructure. It's a massive sunk cost are now basically being gouged and probably to the point where many of them will be unprofitable, unprofitable if uh, these taxes are implemented. Um, and there's some massive miners in Kazakhstan, which... Yeah, I mean, and from a practical standpoint, burdensome, heavy-handed tax treatment of Bitcoin is not much different than a 6102 attack, a a seizure event. Yes, yes, agreed. And this is, I get a lot of shit about this in the mining industry, but this is why I'm an off-grid maximalist. Like, don't even allow them to identify you to then try to tax you. And you don't even set yourself up for a bad narrative by stealing electricity from the grid or driving the price up. Uh, I will I'll be off-grid till I die. And a lot of people will say, oh, it's too expensive. It's not worth it. It's hard. I don't care. I'll, I'll do the hard work to, to avoid this shit. And it's actually better for Bitcoin's you know, just distribution of, of hash rate. Um, for the Bitcoin network in the long run. Because imagine like this could happen in Texas too. You could have, I mean, Texas obviously loves freedom, loves free markets. Who knows? Maybe they get in a, a tiff with the federal government. The federal government sends the National Guard into Texas. It's like, you need to make these um, these miners like riot windstone, unplug, unplug. But uh, they don't even have to. Just pass federal, federal mining tax. Boom, yeah, done. Done. Disclaimer, I sit on the board of a publicly traded mining company that competes with these companies, but like I'm not saying this because I'm trying to shit talk competitors, but like thinking wargaming this and where does this go? Well, that's uh, a Canadian in, mining company, right? Canadian, yes. Um, it's publicly traded in Canada. Um, that's, uh, I assume you can't talk about it, but I, so I didn't know if I could, if I should put it on the list or not, but 
cathedral taking out uh, a loan against their using their mining hardware as uh, collateral and then taking a loan against it from NYDIG at 14% interest? Uh, it's, I mean, it's public interest, it's public knowledge, so I can't talk about it. I mean, at Cathedra, it's, it's, it's not a cheap loan. No, I mean, that's typical throughout the the mining industry. The cost of capital in mining right now for minor financing deals hovers between 14 and like 18%. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's cause it's hard to insure. It's like a credit card rate. I know it's, well, it's, I mean, it's, it uh, highlights the, nations of the industry i think there's a lot of execution risks there's no insurance products you can it's not not necessarily very hard to destroy a mining machine if you destroy a mining machine you basically forego the potential sats flows that that it could produce in the future and so it's like high risk and so that high risk comes with a relatively high interest rate as well um, for for these lenders. However, with that being said, I do think there are insurance products coming to market. Uh, there are more legit operators coming to market. Uh, obviously, I'm biased, but I think Cathedra is one of them. Uh, and there will be more lenders coming to market as well. So I think that cost of capital will get driven lower. Um, right now, it's in the, the mid to high teens. I think we'll go low teens and then below double digits at some point in the next few years. We were having a conversation with someone offline. Um, I'm not going to say who it was specifically because it was a private conversation, but they made a very interesting point about rates, why rates are high, um, even though Bitcoin is the best collateral, whether that's a... The, the conversation was about uh, Bitcoin collateralized loans. So like you give Bitcoin and you borrow dollars. Right now, that's like about like 10%, 12%. Um, but I think it applies for uh, ASICs as well, using ASICs as collateral. It was a very interesting uh, perspective was that the people that are most likely to appreciate your Bitcoin as collateral and give you a loan um, are the same people that would probably rather just buy Bitcoin than give you the loan in the first place. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why rates aren't really getting, there's there's not that much, you, you would think that over time, comp- and that's probably will be the case, over time competition should drive those rates down. Bitcoin is the best collateral. Um, it's liquid. Uh, it's it's easy to hold and store, um, but that's not the case right now because the people that have the money that could be loaning loaning with Bitcoin as collateral just would rather buy Bitcoin with it. Yeah, yeah, that's certainly a factor into all this. And then yeah, there's if you're in the mining industry, you know there's relatively few players in the, the minor financing space. Again, it's high risk uh, and yeah, I mean, it's just a yeah, 40%. But yeah, that was an interesting. We're very yeah, confident um, that we'll we'll be able to pay back that. Uh, I mean, I assume rate. so. Otherwise, you wouldn't fucking do it. Well, I mean, I, it's, uh, it's 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 typical throughout the internet. Like you have to do it to get by. Like it's it's the trade off that you have to do to get um get in on these on these these big purchases. Well, couldn't you do like a bond offering or something like that? You could. You certainly could. Yeah, and then trade offs. Um, the there was a, there's an interesting aspect of in mandibles, like in a hyperinflation situation, uh, uh, flexible rate mortgages, uh, like loans, interest rates go crazy because no one wants to, no one wants to lend money long term um, if the money is losing value, uh, which I don't know, it's an interesting dynamic. 
No one wants to lose money long-term. No, like you don't want to, like if I'm going to loan you money and you're going to pay me back over 30 years and the money is losing its value, you're going to, the bank is going to demand a very high interest rate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, fourteen percent is only <laughs> the the inflation rate that was just printed today is is more than half of that. So, you think there if that stays static, that inflation rate, the real rate on return on that debt capital is only six and a half percent, which is crazy to think. Which is, <laughs> yeah, interesting time, freaks. Interesting time in many in many facets of the area of the world. Uh, next up, what do we got? Earn it, Bill. Propose to scan all online messages. This is <laughs> this is like they're resurfing this, right? This is something. Yeah, that, they 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 brought it back. Yeah, they're trying to get it passed again. They're never going to stop. They just politicians don't want you to have any privacy. They don't care about you. No, they don't give. Well, like the people behind the politicians too. They're all puppets, and they don't care. They they really don't care about you. The people behind the politicians. Um. So yeah, they they literally want to scan all your messages. They want backdoors. They don't want encryption. This is horrible for America and it's horrible for American citizens. Yes. And anyone who supports it can go fuck themselves. Agreed. On to more optimistic stories. <laughs> Sensei. So is this like so this is a lightning implementation that's leveraging the Bitcoin development kit, lightning development kit, but it's also is it like an Uncle Jim service? Like I was reading through the site un- It's Uncle Jim focused. There's an Uncle Jim tilt to it. This whole idea of the child nodes is really fucking cool. Yeah. Who's behind L2? I was trying to look into that, couldn't find it. This is uh well, first of all, I love the dude, but not a great name. Uh so it's it's spelled L2 number two. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with layer E-L-T-O-O. two or ELTO. Yeah. Um, so just another one to add to the bucket of Bitcoin products that are just really <laughs> hard to say out loud. Um, but it's a John Cantrell project. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't realize it was him. It seems I look re- I look forward to testing it out. It looks really fucking cool. The child node thing is really fucking cool. Yeah. Just scroll down, car. Lightweight child nodes. Yeah. What's the description for it? Create and manage lightweight child nodes that have full lightning capabilities but rely on their parent nodes' resources. Yeah. It's, uh, this is the stuff we want to see coming to market. Make it easy for a technical, technically savvy individual to spin up a node and maintain it and then get their friends and family connected to it in in a way to help preserve their privacy, their user experience, and um, to further distribute. Like imagine just having Uncle Jim's with little child nodes like all throughout the network. That's that's what you want to see. It's also just really could be really useful in like a B2C concept where yeah. where like a, a business is hosting a bunch of uh, facilitates a bunch of child nodes for users. Yes, it's like something like Voltage or Nile could implement. Um, I mean, well, Voltage or Nile are like hosting providers for whatever. So, like, instead of like offering, they could offer LND and then they can offer Sensei and they can offer C Lightning and let the users choose. No, I think that's important to highlight is Sensei is an alternative implementation. Already leveraging the Lightning development kit, too. It's pretty. It's pretty quick spin up there, John. It's BDK plus LDK. Yeah. It's like the full spiral stack. 
<laughs> and and I don't know if we've ever if we mentioned it, but Ca- Cash App's Lightning implementation is using LDK. Yeah, it's LDK. And That's originally, for- my thought was um, that they didn't have so Cash App's only withdrawals, not send deposits. Only. Yeah, it's send only. And I thought maybe it was because of uh, regulatory concerns they had in terms of having deposits via Lightning uh, because they can't change surveillance you on it. Um, but it 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 seems like it might be just because they're building everything from scratch using LDK and they just don't have the receiving side set up yet. But it could be a combination of both. Probably it might be a combination of both. Yeah, I, I imagine it's like less risky. Just doing send only, obviously, because you, you have to worry about channel management more intently if you're doing send and receive. And like LDK is pretty raw still. I mean, that yeah, was it's extremely raw. You have to like build everything from scratch. With yeah. Them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see like, LDK. I mean, we've, uh, people love Rust. Uh, developers love Rust, I should say. They think it's like an incredible language. Uh, I'm an idiot. I, I don't know much beyond HTML, CSS, a little bit of Python, a little bit of JavaScript, but it seems that any developer, many developers, I won't say any, many developers who are in the know believe that Rust is a very robust and like, tight language that, that many people should be building on. So, And then we talk about the implementation competition with lightning specifically here uh, ldk is coming late in the race sensei obviously a little bit later it'll be interesting to see how much traction they garner moving forward uh we're about to get the software development updates however we have one shout out this week and uh, maybe uncle marty's feeling a certain way maybe maybe we're trying to make things more sophisticated here at tftc as you can see by these shares but i think this is the last time i'm gonna read a shout out like this because I don't think it adds. Wow. Any, I don't think it adds any value. I think I think you might agree after I read it. Uh, let's. I mean, I I disagree in principle. Okay. I think we. Sh- I think you should just read every shout out unless it's an ad. But this thing. Okay, uh, let's see what the shout out is. <laughs> I can't figure out how to put my underpants without hurting my peen. Any help? LOL. Sorry. I'm sure no one can help here, but I'm at my wits end. Whenever I sit down, I squish my penis with my butt. My penis is not super big, but it's big enough that when I sit down, it gets trapped under my butt and it gets squished. LOL. Sorry, this is personal. Just thought maybe men's health advocate could reach out. My penis regains its shape after a couple of hours, but it is flat after my butt squishes it. Kind of like Tempur-Pudic. Anyway, love the show. Flat noodle or not, I will support you. I don't want to have to be reading this stuff. Thanks for your support, freak. Thank you for your support. I appreciate your support, but like, I don't want to talk about people like sitting on their dicks. But like, where do you draw the line? I know. Maybe is it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe just trying to embarrass Uncle Marty and make make him say the most insane shit ever. American Hollow started this trend. That motherfucker. (laughs) That shout out of the year. Lance, did you write that shout out? I have some questions here. I don't know. Am I, I'm 30. I'm in my 30s now. Am I just degrading myself? I mean, it's clearly a shout out. I sit on the board of a publicly no, traded company. We're, we're venture partners now. <laughs> 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 what, a, 
what are the markets going to think of this? I don't know. I'll never be too old for a good penis joke. I know, but it wasn't even a good penis joke. Like, if it was a good penis joke, like, I would definitely read it. I just don't know where you draw the line. I just, I. Yeah. Ads. We drew the line at ads. And then we always have that weird thing like, what is this an ad? Is it not an ad? Is it an endorsement? Like, I want as little restrictions on shout outs as possible. Okay, we'll keep going. You don't have to read them though. So it's easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> yes. If you're gonna if you're gonna we're if we're gonna do penis and fart jokes freaks, like make them good, please. Like I don't want like some weird like it remind, like, I feel like the hackers might have wrote that. Like the the chick with the rat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she Rest might have wrote that shout out. And now we have tainted Bitcoin on uh <laughs> Richest rapper of all time. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, and say the name with some respect. We'll see. There is a point where I'll read one and be like, no, not today. Send me send me an invoice. I'm sending you the sets back. Which has happened before for ads. Okay, well, if you decide to censor one, let me know. Or let 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 us let the let me and the freaks know if you're not if if you're censoring a shout out. I will I will definitely let you know. Um, no shout outs have come in since we started the show, so we'll get on the software updates. Uh, this is a new one on the list: Cypherpunk Pay version one point zero point one three. Yeah, so Cypherpunk Pay is a project that I've been tracking for a while now. Um, the the main developer is an anon freak. Um, who I originally found out from it because he messaged me about it uh, like eight months ago, 10 months ago. And it's a really cool project. Um, it's a, it's a, a lightweight version. It's a lightweight alternative to BTC pay server. It's extremely lightweight. You don't have to use your own node with it. Instead, what it does is um, it queries uh, public block explorer APIs to look up address balances uh, each time it queries it, it, it randomizes which block explorer it chooses and it uses a different Tor onion circuit. So it's not, so the addresses aren't connected to each other. So you're able to use, you're able to receive Bitcoin donations. It's very useful for Bitcoin donations specifically without using your own node, without, uh, doxing your XPUB to servers. Um, so it's a very interesting trade-off balance. The main negative was it didn't have lightning support. And so last week, I actually forgot to bring it up, or two weeks ago, I forgot to bring it up. He he added LND support, and now he's adding C lightning support. Oh, boss. So it's it's getting well-rounded in terms of, because I, I think it's, it's pretty hard to accept donations and not accept lightning. Like So th- that's also an interesting aspect of the Hong Kong HODL thing is the, the breakdown of because they're using an address, it's possible to see the breakdown of Lightning versus on-chain. And what, what uh, so it's actually like pretty interesting stats in terms of uh, what you might expect if you are running a donation campaign. And what's happening basically is Lightning significantly outnumbers the number of on-chain mm-hmm. donations that Hong Kong Coddle is receiving. It's like three to one. But the value but is... Nine to one in the opposite direction. Yeah. Oh, the overwhelming majority of Bitcoin that is sent to Hong Kong Hodl is on chain. Um, is on chain in terms of total amount, but in terms of number of payments, it's lightning. Yes, and I can 
and confirm that's similar to what our, our BTC pay server is like. You get way yeah. more in terms of volume of payments via the Lightning Network, but when it comes to uh, size of the payments on chain, dwarfs Lightning, which is cool. I mean, obviously we had the dime bag, um, you know, the ability to tip like a dollar at a time and um, shout outs go back and forth, actually. Um, shout outs, most of them are Lightning these days, but like somebody's going to give a $100 donation, which happens every once in a while. They send it on chain. Um, or they put their own in. It's, it, it is a fascinating thing to see. I think I've tweeted about it before, actually, too. Like uh, on the merch store, I think that was the uh, the best indicator for for on chain versus lightning. Um, somebody bought one item, lightning, multiple items, on chain. Uh, very fascinating user tendencies, depending on the particular use case. Moving on, LND version zero point four point two. Beta has been released. Electris version 0.9.5 has been released. Ellen Bits version 0.6.0 has been released. This seems like it is a, a major release. What, are, uh, what do we have here at Ellen Bits? Um, Node Legend. Ellen URL. Devices to give. I can't read from this far away. Um, doesn't seem like a major release. Doesn't seem like anything too major, though. Um, what Ellen bits? Yeah, I'm not sure what the. I just it's a new release, so I put it in. I know, but it's six point zero, so I would imagine that's a major release. But it's zero point six point zero. Zero point six point zero. I'm sorry. Uh, um, be- did you see the reason I got distracted? Is because. Uh, it seems someone posted in the comments and I just uh, verified it because don't trust verify. Um, you know, humans are hilarious. Uh, so GoFundMe uh, for, got their account frozen, right? And in classic human nature, instead of actually seeking out Bitcoin, seeking out an actual censorship-resistant alternative, the overwhelming majority of donations... Give, send, uh, go or something like that. Right? Went to give, send, go, which is they advertise themselves as a Christian version of uh, GoFundMe. Um, but it has the same exact problem. It's a centralized company that's able to freeze money at, at demand. Um, and an Ontario court just froze uh, the give, send, go uh, fundraise. <laughs> so it's like, you know, double advertisements back to back. No, it's keep, like it's, keep compounding it. It's like the same thing that happens with like Twitter where like, like the right is like, oh, Twitter's censoring us. I'm going to go to Getter or I'm going to go to Gab or whatever. Like it's all the same shit. It's just you're just picking a different, like a different leadership team, but it's the same fucking thing. They will be pressured. Have you looked into Noster at all? Noster looks really fucking cool. Right. I have to give Fiat Jaff and the rest of the guys over there credit, the rest of the contributors over there credit. It looks really awesome. Um, interesting trade off balance. Definitely something to keep an eye on. I will say, as a shadow ban Twitter user, um, <laughs> it's, it's I just think there. I'm, I just think I'm burnt out on social media. So I don't even know if I'm gonna create a Noster idea or account or whatever. But I probably should play around with it just for the freaks, so I can actually talk about it. Yeah, I haven't but played I, around with it yet either. It I don't does. want another social media account. The only one I have left is Twitter. I think I'm just when I get deleted from Twitter, I'm just gonna hang out in matrix rooms. Just group chats. It's called a day. I like that. Like we have like the broadcast media stuff, like Twitter, where you broadcast to many. 
is like is very useful for like finding like-minded people and and exploring like new concepts and ideas and communities. But like at this point, I'm very grateful that we have a very strong tribe um, of like like there's like two thousand. 3000 people from around the world that I feel very close and connected to that I can already bounce ideas off of and see their ideas and give them feedback and stuff. So I don't know if I really even, I'm just grateful that I don't, but I don't think I really need another social media account. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's weird because I've, I don't, I'm not shadow banned. I feel similarly. That's like, yeah, it feels like everything's been said. I know many people on like Bitcoin, like Shinobi has been saying this, like people are just getting lazy. Not now, mom. People are getting lazy. Like again, you have like the the cloud chasing, like people just trying to grow with hack their accounts. It's just like, ah, it's all pedestrian and boring, really, at the end of the day. It feels like everybody knows what the end state is gonna happen. <sighs> Do you think you get unshadow banned soon? Uh a Twitter support. What did did you did you see the email they sent me? Yeah, there's a it's not telling like, you. I, I have to I have to read it out loud. Let me read it out loud for the freaks. Um, fucking ridiculous, fucking ridiculous tweet. I mean, ridiculous email. They first of all they made me like keep asking them. They pretended I wasn't at first, and I like sent them actual screenshots of of my tweets not being seen. Um. But the, the email is fucking hilarious that they sent me. Um, here you go. Hello, Odell. We appreciate your reaching back about your tweet's visibility issue, and we do have more information for you. Sometimes we will take action on an account based on behaviors that create a negative impact on Twitter. This can include interactions with other accounts, tweeting inappropriate content, or a variety of other violations of our rules. As a result, the visibility of these accounts may be affected. We have more information available on the Twitter blog and our help center. There's like no information there. For most accounts, this is a temporary outcome. And if no further negative behavior occurs, the account will eventually be restored to full access and visibility. Stay safe, exclamation point. Thanks, Violet. Violet. Twitter support. Well, who are you to deem what is negative? I like the stay safe at the end is my favorite all caps. Uh, Not all caps, exclamation point. She had to get that positive connotation in there. So she didn't get shadow banned from their email server. Right. Stay safe. Stay safe. Be safe. Sanitize everything. Like who? But again, like who is the deem? What is the thing? Some person may see something as negative, and another as positive. So not to get too vitriolic here, but like Catholics, I'm a Catholic, anti-abortion. I see people posting anti-abortion stuff. I'm like, oh, that's positive. Somebody on the other side of the fence sees that as negative. Like how? Who are you to deem? what is positive and what is negative. This is just a slippery yeah. slope that, that, that Twitter's fallen down and continues to fall down. And just you, like no one should be surprised that GoFundMe can freeze accounts or give send go gets forced to freeze accounts. No one should be surprised that centralized social media goes down this path in a long enough time frame. Yeah. And it's what do you think it was the uh the Uyghur thing? I don't know what it was. Um, that Uyghur that Uyghur post was fire, by the way. I, no, I think it was the shopping carts. The first time it happened <laughs> was the right? empty shopping carts. The really, well, that's like crazy. That's like my my inflation meme was too good, <laughs> right? But it's like, damn, if it was the shopping carts, like how scared are they? Look, inflation is you know 
it's a very slippery slope in terms of like public perception, right? Because it is a trust game. It is. So uh, you can't, you can't have, you can't have too many people talking the inflation game. (laughs) Well, it's just like hilarious. Like Jack tweeted, inflation is coming like three months ago. Thank you for the warning, Jack. We don't blame. eh, It's like, it's so fucked. We live in interesting times. We live in stay safe. Stay safe. <laughs> stay safe. Get that positive connotation into the uh, the YouTube algorithm there. Uh, Umbrella version zero point four point one four has been released. BTC Pay Server version one point four point four has been released. Bixit version zero point four point one has been released. Galoi version zero point one point nine has been released. Excuse me. Mercury Wallet version 0.6.2 has been released. Hexa Wallet version 2.0. Excuse me again. 0.69 nice has been released. Whirlpool version nice. Whirlpool version 0.10.13 has been released. And that is it for the software updates. As always, these updates are available. I don't think there's any rush to uh, to update to any of them off the top of my head. However, if you're running any of these softwares, you should probably check the show notes. Check the release notes of these updates uh, and decide for yourself if you want to update. Uh, Valkyrie Bitcoin Miners ETF launches with the ticker "We Gonna Make It WGMI." I thought that was pretty creative and pretty funny. Um, yeah, the ticker is notable. <laughs> <laughs> WGMI, we're gonna make it. Uh, yeah, another another ETF, uh, another mining ETF. Uh, I believe this is the second. We have Rigs R I G Z. Um, which Wes Fulford uh, is behind. I forget the the firm that they're running with. But yeah, another ETF wanting an exposure to um, Bitcoin mining stocks. That's your prerogative. Uh, Valkyrie has just launched one. WGMI. It's on the NASDAQ too. Uh, Blue Sky announced independent public benefit LLC and board members. So this is the open source social media company that, that Jack's been talking about for some time. He wants to quote, quote unquote decentralized social media protocol, quote unquote um, protocol uh, that Jack has wanted to build uh, in lieu of all the headaches that Twitter being a centralized service has created. Uh, similar to the initiative in Africa, they've uh, now announced a board that will begin picking a team to go build all of this stuff, um, which is good to see. Maybe we could use, as we've been discussing with the shadow band stuff, like hopefully something like Blue Sky can can fix the, the headaches here and, and allow people to but, talk freely. I mean, so, so Blue Sky first came out of Twitter and there's obviously a lot of skepticism that uh, something that is trying to uh, basically make Twitter obsolete uh, could be could be operated out of Twitter. So this is the, the idea here seems to be to have an independent organization that is separate from Twitter to push uh, the protocol forward. What is really interesting is uh, the board members that were chosen. Um, Dorsey is one of the board members. Uh, Jeremy Miller, the inventor of Jabber XM which is an open chat protocol and uh, Jay Graber, who's the CEO of Blue Sky, which is obvious. Yeah. So we're just hoping we get something cool out of this. Board has been announced. Yeah, cautiously optimistic. Likewise. 
Well. No stir seems more promising, to be honest. Well, they're moving but, faster, certainly. You know, no stir. What's cool about no stir is like it's or nostra or Noster. whatever. No, if you're doing the Latin pronunciation, like Noster. it's not my fault. The name is uh, questionable. Uh, Noster is like our, right? With no, with no vowel, N O S T R. In, in Latin, there would be an e there. Look up N O S T R. What are you lecturing me on? I mean, I think there's a play. I mean, that's like typical, like Twitter was T-W-T-T-R when it first came out, right? Pater Noster, our father. The cool part about Noster is like just the, the, it's very practical trade-offs. Like they don't, it's not just like, like, look, what, what is the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is, you know, censorship resistant broadcast platform that anyone can run relays and, and use their own node for, right? So it's like not, um, it's a very practical trade-off balance. It's not like trying to be this like amazing P2P magical thing. Um, and and that it's very pragmatic in that way. While Blue Sky is trying to like be like, it's just, it's a, it's a very, uh, Blue Sky is a very ambitious, uh, massive play while, while Nostra just keeps it simple. Does what, does what it needs to do and does it in a clean way. Yeah, I'm a big fan of keep it simple, stupid. I'd need to check it. Nostra has been on my radar. It's been in the back of my mind. Like, all right, I need to play around with this. Um, haven't yet, but again, like Matt said earlier, shout out to Fiat Jeff and everybody working on that. Like everything I've seen seems very interesting at the least, uh, very promising at the most. Um, I need to play with it. Fully, yeah. Yeah, full disclosure, I haven't played with it at all. Same. Kraken is funding a full-time Bitcoin Rust maintainer. We we're talking about Rust earlier. People seem to think it's a, a pretty legit language, so it's good to see Kraken um, supporting a Rust maintainer. So, is a Rust implementation a core, or is it something like the Bitcoin? That's my question. I haven't done. Do- it's Rust it. Bitcoin. Rust Bitcoin. So it's it's a it's a Bitcoin implementation implementation written in Rust. Okay, sweet. Um. Shout out to Kraken. Jesse Powell was in your mentions earlier today, wasn't he? Yeah, about the Bitfinex hack. Yeah. They just get- agree- he was just agreeing with me that like the regulatory climate in 2016 pushed Bitfinex into a very insecure wallet setup. Yeah. Overregulation, making us all worse off. KYC AML doesn't work. Criminals are going to criminal. That data is going to get stolen. That government's going to use that data against you to extort you. Well, I mean, KYC AML worked with the Bitfinex hackers, but yeah, usually it's very ineffective. I mean, they slipped up in many ways. It was just like cherry on top type shit. Yeah. Uh, Bitcoin is funding Ukraine defense. What are they defending themselves against? Russia? Yeah. But apparently, like, so what is what is going on over there? Like, I, I've heard stories like Ukrainians like on the ground are like, there's really nothing going on over here. It's Western media trying to create something so the U.S. imperialist state can can f- convince their people to like rabble rouse even more. Well, like, I mean, what? So what's the difference between why is your views on Taiwan versus China different than Ukraine versus Russia? I don't know. I don't know. I think they're 
I don't know. I think it's two very different situations. I mean, the, the there's a lot of similarities. A lot of similarities, certainly, but the ex-Soviet bloc. I mean, those countries, even though they broke up, do like because like, again, like, you have northern Ukrainians probably would consider themselves Russians. I mean, that was the whole thing with Crimea. Like, but again, we're getting fed this for like Western media. I don't know. I am not an expert on Ukrainian Russian diplomacy. Um, I mean, I would think that most Ukrainians want independence. I do as well. Otherwise, they'd already be part of Russia. I do as well, but like, I don't, I, I don't argue that at all. But I think, I don't, I don't like the stories I've been hearing is that like, there's no threat of Russia taking over Ukraine from Ukrainians on the ground. I mean, they like, literally, they, they just, they took Crimea. I don't know. I I uh, uh, I don't know what to believe. That's a, that's a fucked up thing about modern media. Like I don't know. Well, anyway, anyway, um, just putting that out there. What I've heard. The the whole point of this post was I thought it was interesting because it's very similar to me as to the situation uh, with the Canadian truckers, which is that um, Ukrainians are raising money via Bitcoin. They're crowdfunding via Bitcoin. And what's interesting specifically is this article is written in Wired, Wired.com. So it's a very mainstream, well-regarded tech publication. Um, Wired was breaking the Silk Road stories back in the day too, right? So I just, I think it's, you know, a perfect use case for Bitcoin, which is raising global funds um, without a middleman. I mean, if if Ukraine is truly being uh, encroached on by Russia and Ukrainians need funds to defend themselves. I, I mean, Ukraine—they're clearly being encroached on by Russia. I mean, if you're—if the argument is whether or not the U.S. should step in, that's a different argument. But I mean, there's—they're clearly being encroached on by Russia. They have been actively, and like I understand Russians, Russia's perspective because it used to be a part of Russia, and it's extremely geopolitically important to both to to, the, to them and and to Russians' enemies. Uh, but uh, I mean, it, I I think it's pretty obvious that they that they've been encroached on and will continue to be encroached on. Like Putin wants Ukraine. I wonder if he's, he would yeah. love Ukraine. I again, I'm not an expert on Ukrainian Russian diplomatic relations and what's going on. I don't know what to believe anymore when it comes to like that shit. Like the whole Russia Russian bot manipulation of elections, like all that shit that turned out to be fake. I'm like, I don't honestly know what to believe. Thank you. Uh, U.S. media and political apparatus for confusing the fuck out of me, particularly. And to be honest, I haven't done a deep dive personal research. Like I didn't read this Wired article. Um, I'm just going off of loose, uh, arm's length sort of uh, digestion of of what people are saying is going on over there. There's only so many things you can focus on. We got so much going on here. Fountain. Disclaimer. I'm an investor. Matt's a fan. Uh, the new podcaster while launched. <laughs> do I have to disclose when I'm a fan of the product? No. no. But uh, uh, I mean, it, Oscar, if you're listening, I'm going to get TFTC set up on the podcaster while it's custodial right now, but I do want to test it out because you're going to be able to track like when people are boosting, when people are listening most, and the boost grams. Where you can send message via the Fountain app with a boost as well. So like we could we can have more. That's a, the one thing we have to figure out. Um, 
with like shout outs and stuff like that, like boostgrams. But you can get boostergrams natively using LND, even if you don't. Yes, do yeah, we we're just not scraping um, our node for those messages and, and populating them. So uh, you're gonna you're gonna switch to a custodial wallet so you can read well boostergrams just to, just to test it out. Uh, it, they have <laughs> non custodial options on the roadmap. They just need to start with what's simplest first and. I'm just curious to see your split of the sats that we get via the podcasting 2.0 will still be non-custodial. It'll just be, um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no, like I would put your node in. They just need one node. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, I didn't mean like my split is a hundred percent. I'm just saying that I'm not going to switch to a custodial wallet <laughs> to read boostergrams. Yeah. Well, I want to test it out as an investor. But I do, I will say that, look, at the end of the day, uh, it's good to see, more UX friendly tooling for podcasters to get involved with podcasting 2.0. Agreed. And Oscar and the team at Fallon are fucking crushing it. And again, they do have non-custodial options on the roadmap. They just, again, they're a small team, need to be nimble. Um, bah, 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 bah. I do think like, I think uh, the trade-off isn't horrible for uh, listeners using they're using fountain podcast. That's why I still recommend it, even though it's custodial for listeners. You just, you just top off. Yeah. Because it's small amounts, but, but on the receivers, on the, on the content creator side, on the podcaster side, it's, it's, I don't know. I it's, it's, it's dicey. It's dicey doing a custodial on that side because yes. the amounts are way larger. You, if you forget about it, like, I I'm a little bit concerned about it, to be honest. I think they uh, they understand your concerns. They have them uh, in mind. They're working to to mitigate them. Is what I say. Disclaimer. I'm yeah, I mean, I haven't talked to them. I haven't talked to them about it at all. But I I know uh, that they they want to go non custodial. How about this though? They love us. Look, you got Citadel Dispatch in the background here. You go up a little bit. Well, the love crit. is mutual. Yes, the if love you're is mutual. If you're listening via the Fountain app now, thank you for listening. Thank you for contributing sats. If you're deciding to, uh, the value for value model is powerful. Yeah, I mean, Rogan obviously being in the news uh, is really driving that home. He's had what hundred episodes ripped off his feed in the last week because of. Oh, we never talked about Rogan. No, I mean, I went, dude. I went and saw well, stand stand up here, and we all knew this was going to happen. He he sold out for a hundred million dollars, like. Like, don't make your, like, everyone's like, oh, we need, like, to reinvent the wheel. Like, he signed an exclusive agreement with a massive $50 billion media company. Like, what did, what did anyone expect was going to happen? Like, yeah. this is the most fucking obvious thing in the world. Well, but honestly, maybe this is the best thing to happen to for podcasting in general. Like, you get Rogan, the most popular podcasting guy, to sign a $100 million a year deal with Spotify, locked into that platform, literally can't distribute his content out via RSS feed so it can be picked up by a fountain, by an overcast, by a Podbean, by whatever podcasting app you like. And then it just acutely highlights like, oh, this is <laughs> the problem with centralization. The most popular podcast is having to censor itself because... Yeah, but... I think it's the best thing to happen for podcasting, honestly. Like, it's no, for like, him. I mean, maybe I'm just like a grumpy old man. You are. But like, the solution here is self-hosting. Uh, podcasting is a beautifully open platform. It's one of the coolest aspects of podcasting that it's just an open RSS feed that anyone can use all these different apps to do it. Rogan goes to the exclusive route. Now in all this blowback, 99% of people think that he should move to Rumble, which is <laughs> right? another centralized fucking media company. 
exclusive yeah. to Rumble. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I know, I know, I know, I know exactly. Uh, and he, so that, that was the cool thing about uh, his. So he he's doing this comedy. He's doing this comedy show. Obviously, he's spinning up his own uh, comedy room. It's not live yet. So the Vulcan Gas Company, right down the street from where we are right now, a few blocks, uh, is where he's been doing a show, curating great comics. Uh, you had I forget the two the two first comics. They were fucking hilarious though. And you have comic Dave Smith, who was hilarious. Tony Hinchcliffe, fucking hilarious. Then Rogan went on. He did like an hour and a half set. Came out, addressed everything immediately throughout the whole set. It's like, it was just like, uh, I don't care what these people say. Like, I'm not going to change what I do. But like, obviously, you're letting them censor you. And then he had a and a at the end. And one of the questions was like, why don't you move to Rumble? He's like, I'm not doing that. Um, but it is like... He has a hundred million reasons. Well, like, that's the thing, like... He really doesn't eat, like a hundred million dollars, obviously a lot, probably like the biggest portion of his income right now. But like, dude, you have the UFC, you, you have your comedy career where you can go do shows, do specials, like podcasting. It's, it was a cherry on top uh, when it started. Now it's, it's the main thing, but like you could, you could bring your advertisers with you. If you, you know, you don't need Spotify and, and I, maybe who knows, maybe he, has internalized this and understands this and will uh, not re-up with Spotify when the contract's up. And he's like, all right, I just got to wait out to get my hundred million then I'm gone. But again, I, I think it's actually a good thing for podcasting. Like, yeah, you, like the spotlight is so large on him and you know, the problems that he's running into is, is really similarly to what uh, GoFundMe ripping uh, the Freedom Convoy funds. Uh, rug pulling them on that, like Spotify and that, and that centralized service rug pulling some of his episodes is highlighting to other podcasters like, yeah, like maybe it's not the best deal to to be going on a centralized platform. Yeah, I mean that is always like the the op, the optimistic take with all these kind of things, right? Is that over a long enough time period, so many people are going to get burned that uh, we'll move to more censorship resistant, sovereign, private well, that's tools. The beauty, well, that's the beauty of this but, case is like the biggest person in the industry gets burned. It's like, why would I go down that path? I just, I look, Rogan is great. I appreciate Rogan. I do as well. Uh, but like, there's just a lot of hero worship. Like he's never been a... He's never been a uh, advocate for all this shit. Look, he he normalized this like massive like the the ad model of of podcasting. He signed an exclusive with a massive media company. Like I don't I don't really think there's this uh, Re- uh, redeeming quality. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. Like this idea, like oh, like he's he's uh, destroying corporate media. Like he just reinvented corporate media. It's just a different. It's a different twist on corporate media. He's got massive corporations paying his his revenue stream via ads, and then he has a massive media company that he has an exclusive agreement with. Like, there's not that much of a difference. Yeah, if anything, the, the, I mean, the main difference is the form of the conversation. Instead of thirty second bits, you get three right. hour bits, and I give him that. Even a three hour transformative. Yeah, but that can even be manipulated. Yeah. Interesting times, many aspects. I mean, uh, yeah, Rogan he definitely I, deserves credit for showing the world 
that people really enjoy um, and find helpful long nuanced discourse. I mean, that's why this show people. exists, right? Yeah. yeah. So where are we? We're almost two and a half hours in. I'm exhausted. I know. Uh, yeah, I'm going to, I guess we should wrap it up. We have two more stories. Oh, shit. Uh, one more. Oh, no, two more. Uh, OpenNode raised $20 million, now valued at $220 million. It was led by Kingsway Capital. Twitter got in on this round, which I thought was interesting. Uh, I love OpenNode. I love the guys who run OpenNode, but doesn't this seem like just insanely high valuation? <laughs> I'm putting my VC cap on. Uh, I have not looked at their numbers. I mean, so I can't... You don't even need a VC cap. Isn't this yeah. just like a race to the bottom business? Yeah, I mean, we use BTC Pay server. It's free. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it is a big market. Like people who aren't tech savvy enough or uh, well capitalized enough to hire dev who is tech savvy enough to spin up a BTC Pay server. And, uh, yeah, it does seem pretty high. I was very surprised by the valuation. Knowing that we do it for free. Um, I'm happy for them. Like I said, I, I like the team over there, but. Yeah, I do as well. Pay can go fuck himself. Agreed. But. Agreed. Congrats. Um, this next one is really interesting. Binance invested in Forbes, $200 million investment in Forbes. Is this a, is this a spite Talk investment? Talk about a crazy valuation. What, uh, if they put $200 million in Forbes, how much is Forbes worth? I mean, <laughs> for the Forbes name alone... It's probably worth. You know, the the Bitfinex hacker was a Forbes contributor, right? I don't know. Forbes is probably worth a couple bill. I don't know, but expect even more shitcoin promotion coming out of Forbes now. They already got it. Like that Del Castillo guy announced this week that they're like, "Oh, you want to track your crypto portfolio? Here's how you can like track your crypto portfolio in Forbes now. If you have a crypto, if you have a crypto portfolio, which you shouldn't. uh, That's a great feature." Really glad they added that. Yeah, just be aware if you do have a crypto portfolio and you're thinking about tracking it on a third party service like Forbes, just know that all that data is going to be stored on that server. Massive privacy risk. All of them <laughs> do. Like uh, Polio, Delta, all of that shit is all horrible. Yeah. And yeah, the Blockfolio was hilarious back in the 2017 run. Everybody had Blockfolio. It's connected to their email address and they were putting the exact amount of cryptocurrency they owned in that portfolio. And it's like, you don't think they're sending that to the IRS? Like, and now it's owned by FTX, KYC Exchange. Yeah. And the other one is owned by eToro, Delta. eToro. eToro is like, KYC Exchange. eToro is like the most shameless about it too because they do that, like follow my portfolio, like type trading. Like it's just like Copy so, trader. Yeah, it's so lazy. And, it's kind of a cool concept. Yeah, but like it, it, it'll never work. It never works. It works like maybe if you're like the first one, because that's the thing about trading. Like you can't, if you copy trade, you just you're putting my trader hat on now, like coming back to fun <laughs> life. Like you just don't trade freaks. Yes. But like, and I still think it's especially cool. Don't, it's, I mean, it's a, it's cool in the sense like, oh, like I like that. But like you, you, completely eliminate the alpha via copy trading as you like poured that much liquidity into those trades it like ekes out the margins to a point that makes it unprofitable it doesn't make any sense actually <laughs> if you're a trader you want to have an edge against the market and copy trading is just herd following so there is no edge 
maybe I'm wrong. That's just. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, pretty much makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, you also have like issues where uh, if someone gets like a large following on the copy trader or whatever, they can use it to move prices of coins and stuff that they're trading separately out because there's no way to prove that their only trades are the ones that they're making through eToro. Yes. Right. So there's, there's a lot of ability for manipulation there. Yes. Um, I mean, it's cool in concept, but I mean, like, you know, you shouldn't trade period. Stay on the stack sets. Be a leader, not a follower. I guess that's the lesson we're learning here. Don't copy trade. That's lazy. Nothing's ever that easy. I guess that's, that's, that's what we'll say. Like all I know, like I, it's like, Crypto Twitter, the only engagement is 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 on the traders, right? And the traders are telling, you know, that people love that shit. No, so like I, I just crack. think it's interesting. I just think it's interesting because it just you just cut out the middleman. You know, you just you cut out the you just straight up copy them. You skip that process in the middle. Back in my day I had to join a paid group and actually manually put in the trades. Neil. Kids these days. Kids these days. N- Neil. Neil. You had to get the attention, didn't you, Neil, you little fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. All right, you're tired. I'm tired. I got to take a piss. That was a great rip. Very dense. It was a great rip. I love you, Marty. I love you, freak. Stay on the stack sets. Peace and love.